I'm Tom. And I'm Zeus. And we're from Shout It Out Loudcast. And this is Gene Simmons from Kiss. And this is Ace Fraley. And when we want to listen to anything about football, music, kiss, wrestling, country music, and more, we go to On the Flyth with Stevie Flyth and Jason Worden. Check them out. Oh, yeah. You are listening to On The Fly. What's up, guys? On The Fly is back again. And tonight, yeah, check out the shirts. We're doing a kiss-themed episode again tonight. And tonight, our special guest... And I'm telling you guys, if you don't, if this doesn't take you back in time, uh, nothing will. If you're a Kiss fan and you grew up like I did, and, and remember, fan of the up, part, which, no, not up. not much, not <laughs> much. Uh, but Kiss meets the fan of the part, October 28, 1978. Do you remember where you were, Warden? Yeah, I was watching. I remember I was living with my dad at the time. And my dad was Mr. Don Williams, Hank, Hank Sr., you know, all that stuff. And, of course, I i guess we had another TV, and I was watching it. And it was it was around Halloween, I remember that. And yeah. I remember, I, I, I like I said, I i couldn't name a Kiss song to save my life, but I definitely knew who they were at six years old. Yeah. And I just, my part, I remember the gene when he went through that Coke stand, and it just looked so badass. <laughs> I mean, you look at it now, it's like, kind of cheesy i mean he still looks badass he looks like a monster he looks awesome. yeah oh yeah and i remember talking to my buddies i was i don't know kindergarten first grade and we didn't know anything about kiss but we we thought they were cool i mean i mean i'm surprised i didn't have the toys i had every other toy but that, that's where i was at we i was our school which was right across the street from my house was having like their big fall festival but that was on a saturday night and it was like Okay, me and my cousin, we were both the same age. We both just turned five years old, and we were like, we have to leave because Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. Because you couldn't record it. There was no, We didn't have VCRs and all that stuff back then. We had to go get it. You'd be uh, lucky if they re-ran it, it. it later yeah, in the year. But see, I got lucky. I got lucky. And I think I told uh, – They did once. Do... They yes, ran it once. I caught it. I caught it, too. Just me, too. Dance. Look, I got so lucky. This was like – you remember CBS on the weekends used to do like 1130. The late, late movie or something. Yeah. And we, the the day after Christmas, it was like a Friday night. Christmas was on a Thursday. We had just got our first VCR and I was sitting there for some reason. I was sitting there and, you know, I was going through my stuff and the news was on and I hear like at 1120, they have a commercial for CBS late night Friday movie. Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park. And I, I turned my head and was like, what? I said, get the VCR tape, record it. War, boy, you talking about somebody else. No, I don't, have, I don't have that. I wish I did. I was going to say, I might so track you is, down. This is Especially if the commercials are there. <laughs> this is in yeah. November after the October nope. release, the same year? No, this is, no. Like, no, 80, this is like early 80s, 80s, I think. Early yeah, okay. early yeah, 80s. Probably like 85. 
Yeah, so so I feel like an old man, but I was 10 years old when it aired. And, of course, I remember I was sitting on the floor watching the big console TV with the record player built in at my yeah. parents' house <laughs> yeah. and loving every minute of it, but wondering what the older kids were going to say at school the next day because or the next Monday because I was only 10. And I mean, seeing one second of Kiss on TV was was awesome. They, yeah. they for their popularity, they were not on TV a lot back then. There wasn't a lot of stuff, um, or the radio even. You know, for as popular as they were, they never had a lot of airplane stuff. So to see Kiss for an hour and a half, well, an hour because they're not in the first yeah. half hour, right? Yeah, but right. To see them was just awesome, and they, you know, arguably they looked the coolest than as they ever did look. I mean, that in that movie, the make is perfect. The costumes are great. Um, so I remember watching it, but even before that movie uh, and before Dynasty and the disco and all that, there was already a feeling with the old kids. I remember it because my older brother, he's three years older than me, so he was a teenager then, and he's the first one that brought Kiss home. He brought it home alive. Of course, it was probably like closer to 77. He brought that home from a kid at school, and I remember playing that on my mom and dad's old console, t- console TV, you know, the, with the record player built in. Yeah. And when 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 Do started, and then that bomb went off at the, when the when the uh, you know, I remember that thing rattling the speakers when that when that first bomb and Deuce went go off. But I remember we got into, of course, I saw the pictures. Of course, it took about a year almost because I was uh, went through. I was a Star Wars fan. I mean. First round Star Wars fan. So that ate up a lot of my life for a lot of 77. And then yeah. I kind of discovered Kiss through my older brother. And man, it was like, no, uh, you know, and, and I tried to explain it. I, there's no way to explain it. When you were a kid then in the 70s and you were seeing that Kiss stuff, it's just, it wasn't, it was so much more. It wasn't less than a band because it was makeup and effect. It was more than a band. It was a great band. And it was like, like I never really read comic books growing up, but I think it's because I was such a big Kiss fan. I didn't need comic books because they were my comic <laughs> yeah. book superheroes. I mean, they were more than just a band, like putting on a Stones record or putting on a Beatles album or whatever. I mean, I would, you know, I had my tennis racket. Before I played guitar, I, I played the, a mean tennis racket. <laughs> and I had all the moves and the stuff down. I was going to be ace someday. And, of course, my dad played guitar in the house. We always had some music here. So when I was about 12, I started actually learning how to play. But even before that, I had taken an old piece of uh, not plywood, but that press press board, that thin stuff. And I had drawn a Les Paul on there. My dad got the jigsaw, cut it out, and I painted it like Ace's, uh, the, the black and orange uh, fireburst or sunburst, whatever one it was. Yeah. Put it on the tennis racket. So now I still had the tennis racket, but I had it, you know, it looked like a guitar. Uh, dressed like Ace for Halloween, two, three, four years in a row, probably. But anyway, um, watch, the, watch that movie. And of course, it's real easy to forget how really cheesy everything was in 1978, especially on TV. And people will argue, ah, it's bad. Yeah, everything else was just as bad. Eh. Kiss were worse than anything else, pretty much. They were not. Obviously not actors and obviously not good actors, but which is understandable. But it did have a very awkward feel to it, even for that time. I mean, I I, I loved Six Million Dollar Man, but when I go back and watch them, I'm like, whoo, that stuff's pretty. Yeah, our, our Charlie's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all that music is the same. It's all the same thing. But um, but yeah, the Kiss movie. And then what happened was obviously no nobody had VCRs or anything. You saw it and it was gone. 
I mean, we didn't even have the notion of being able to watch something again unless they played it again, right? So here I am on a whatever that was, Friday, Saturday night, just like you. I remember the commercial coming on tonight on the Late Late Movie. Yeah. Just by chance. And I don't have that kind of luck because, I I mean, I missed them unmasked on MTV. I didn't even know about it. My friends at school said, you see Kiss take the makeup off on MTV? And I was always looking at every magazine, everything for Kiss. And I would always miss it. I didn't know anything about the Tom Snyder interview until early 90s. I never even knew they were on there. Uh, Halloween night, I think 79. Yeah. I didn't know it, and I used to watch that show, stay up late and watch it with my mom and whatnot. I didn't even know. So I always missed everything. Somehow, though, I caught Phantom and I was probably 14, 15, probably, probably about 14 by that time. And ooh, it was kind of worse than I remembered it <laughs> because I was a little bit older. And I remember watching it and going, yeah, man, this is really kind of, but of course I loved it. But um, one story oh, yeah. I like to tell is I, so about, I think it was 2007 or 8. Here in St. Louis, you know, every every, every uh, town's got the local music rag. It's got all the clubs listed in there. And then it's got all your, you know, massage services in the back, right? That magazine. <laughs> so this one had a thing in there. It said the Magic Smoking Monkey Troop, which that was Magic Smoking Monkey was a little ad in the back of comic books for this little thing. Anyway, are performing on stage Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. And I was like, I have no idea what this is. I read the article. So there's this local, there's a Shakespeare troupe in St. Louis, and there's a group, a, a group within the group that on the side they do these one hour, basically forty five minute one hour versions of old seventies TV shows, cheesy movies, whatever. So I'm like, I don't know what this is. I got a couple friends of mine. I said, you guys gotta, you guys gotta go with me. I have no idea what this is. It was like it's some art, uh, not an art museum, like an art house kind of deal down. And we went there and we walked in and we paid our 10 bucks or whatever, five bucks, whatever it was. We walk into this room and it was probably 30 by, I don't know, 60, I don't know, small, small room, right? Like 30 chairs set up, about a two foot stage with like a wall on one side. And then they did this on stage and it was probably the most fun I've ever had in my entire life. Because they had about... 10, 12 people in the in the troupe playing all the characters. They had the bad kiss costumes and everything. They had no budget, which was what made it awesome. So, like, they had a TV screen, like, kind of drawn on a hole in the wall. Whenever Devereaux's scenes, somebody would stand behind the wall, like when, when Melissa goes <laughs> and be standing behind with their face in the TV. Um, when they did the live sequences, there was a big cardboard box with a drum set drawn on the front with a marker. And the, and the Peter Chris guy would stand up the cardboard box and sit behind that. And they did like <laughs> shout out loud. It, it, it was, it was funny was they nailed all the nuances in the movie. Um, it was really, really funny. I mean, they did a great job. They even had the spider fall, you know, when they're in the, uh, the chamber of the spider comes down, they had the one guy whipping the other guy and he was doing that exact movement. I mean, they really nailed it all. It was really, really fun. So, um, I don't know how many other people have seen Shakespeare troop do Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. Kiss it, yeah, that's, that's, that's on my bucket list. <laughs> I, had, I had I had no idea what to expect, and I was blown away. I really wish I had a video of it. Of course, maybe it would be the same, but it's almost impossible to explain because it's cheesy and it's zero budget. They really did nail it. I mean, they did yeah. all kinds everything. So anyway, that was really that was really awesome. So I love. Kiss meets the Phantom. As I've gotten older, you know, I don't know if Kiss has yet embraced it for what it is. I mean, no, it's incredible for what it is, and I can understand. It's like your embarrassing old junior high photo with this bad hairdo or whatever. I, I understand, uh, even especially as a musician in a band, you don't always want to show all your warts. But for, but it's awesome because when you watch it, 
and you know the backstory now, and you know they're squirming every second. And I swear when Ace says a couple of his lines, he's almost rolling his eyes. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, you really can pick all this stuff up on it. And, if, you know, they're throwing them their lines on the set and everything. We know it was, you know, whatever. It was what it was. Um, but it was. It's, but I love that it exists. I mean, I love that it's part of no doubt. the catalog because it's, it's awesome. And so earlier in the summer, obviously, as you know, um, a lot of old stuff started leaking out, right? We won't get into that. Sam old. Loomis. Right. So, so Mr. <laughs> Loomis. Um, edit, edit him out, Stevie. Edit him out. Edit him out. Yeah, we yeah. don't want to get strike, right? So, um, so anyway, that stuff started leaking out. And, um, you know, I, I bought all those old Domino eight, uh, VHS tapes back in the 90s. You know, I had sent off my 20 bucks, 40 bucks. I spent a few hundred bucks probably. I had to, I got all of them that were the out back then, you know, all the Houston and the Largo and all that stuff. Um, and so I had all those videos back in the early to, to mid nineties. So I'd seen most of that stuff. Of course, with the internet, a lot of new stuff started creeping out. And then with those leaks, I mean, I was really blown away by some of that stuff because yeah, we've all seen, you know, we've seen the, the live concerts. We've seen the love gun show. We've seen the, the destroyer footage that's out. We've seen all that stuff, even the Winterland show. But there's a lot of stuff, even as being a fan, 40, whatever, 40 something years, there's a lot, there's a whole new, I think because a lot of it was early footage. One thing I, I really got out of it was that Peter really was MVP on stage back then. Peter really did carry that band. Was fantastic drummer, really was a great showman. And, and I can understand how um, as they got bigger and bigger and he got pushed farther and farther in the background, I can understand where some of that, that rub came from. Because came from. Yeah, and Peter and Peter was from that era actually too, where the drummer was the band leader often. And if you hear the old Daisy live Daisy audio that got leaked out, Peter's doing a lot of talking. It's it's really was it started a whole different way. And then as obviously as as, as Sean had gotten them more into their characters, and Paul became more of this you know big rock star flamboyant lead singer talker on stage guy and Peter got pushed farther and farther back, but you know, and it's easy for all, all the kind of the younger fans who came out of that eighties era where eighties was all about how fast you play, how many notes you play. It really was about a vert, the virtuoso musicians and kiss wasn't from that era. I mean, ACE is in my top three guitar players to this day. Um, Cause ACE has phrasing for days and days. I mean, I love those ACE solos. We always loved them. You could sing them to yourself. It was mm -hmm. a song within a song. It was exactly what a guitar solo is supposed to be. And he was able to take a handful of Jimmy Page riffs and recycle them over and over. But man, he always played the right notes. And whether it was, you know, not that he didn't do, do some cool stuff too, but man, ACE was, it was a perfect, perfect lead guitarist for that style of music. And so same for Peter, you know, over the years, people started looking back at Peter, like people look at Ringo sometimes like, ah, Ringo, he's just, he's famous because he was in the Beatles, but they don't understand the nuance. I don't think of how important the right guy in the right position is. And Peter came out of this sort of swing big band starting off. And he's not a jazz drummer. People think of like these, you know, jazz fusion guy, you know, super technical, but Peter did a lot of stuff in those, uh, a lot of those uh, early albums. It's very unorthodox for rock and roll, for rock band. The Phil's things he's doing. And I think we lose a lot of that with the modern lineup over the last, you know, I, you know, oh, yeah. no, I'm not to knock Eric, but it's a different era. And I think there's a lot of that nuance, which is just ignored or just left out. I don't know, you know, who, whose decision those things are. But going back and watching like that Kobo stuff from 75 and, a lot of those early shows, man, those guys were all 110%. And those up until Destroyer, I think they were all firing on all cylinders. 
Gene, I was really amazed at what a really unique and sinister character he was um, in those early club shows. I mean, some of those Super 8 footage you're looking at, it's like something from The Ring or something. You know what I mean? I mean, he's yeah. very yeah. dark. And the, very, I mean, really very demonic. Before he became more of a kind of a Godzilla, cartoon Godzilla on stage. And Gene's always been a great showman. But, man, that early era. But it really shined a new light, I think, on that really, really early era. And I can see where those really old school fans, the ones that were there before Alive got big, the, how a lot of them got really turned off just like with the makeup coming off it's a different yeah. band i think a lot of those because you see the old footage it's all 20 year old 25 year old 18 year old people there's no kids there um and so what you got is a is a really a hard rock kind of an underground makeup wearing dark band uh and then kind of suddenly overnight they're on tv and then they're kind of comic book and all that and a lot of those old school fans walked away then saying oh kiss sold out with destroyer and a lot of the fans didn't even yeah. like that i'm saying oh they sold out already you know so anyway i don't want to get too too off the topic but so when the stuff started leaking i started playing around with doing some syncing on audio syncing and stuff i've been doing audio and video stuff forever and ever with my old band stuff and everything um, I've been doing video stuff for probably 20 years, just self-taught, messing around. And I did have a good friend that was um, educated in it. So I, I picked up a lot from him back in the day, old school, pre, pre-digital pre really era. And so I kind of have a little knowledge of the way things used to be when these old tapes were done and all that kind of stuff. And then the new technology that's around. So I did some syncing and stuff. And there's a lot of guys who like to clean up and do AI and make good, clean versions, that which is great. But what I like to do is be a little – I like to do the little bit more creative stuff. Um uh, just to kind of like, I took the the Kobo uh, video that was leaked out. I think it was maybe five, six, seven songs, um, and the audio was really pretty poor on it. Like almost all guitar, almost no drums, almost no vocals. So I actually took, you know, you got people doing isolated tracks right online now, tons yeah. of them. And I actually have a couple software I can use to do it myself. And so I started taking these isolated tracks, and I and I and I know there are purists who want to hear the actual audio from that show. But if you're like me, it's like, that's cool to hear one time, but it's also cool to see great footage with great audio if you can. So I don't mind syncing a live two tracks. I don't mind syncing a live tracks and stuff. It's the same era. It's the same <clears> vibe. <throat> and so I actually took the drums from Alive and the vocals from Alive and some of the other tracks, and I blended them in with the original mix, which was mostly guitar anyway, and, and matched it all up with the video. So doing stuff like that, and like I did, uh, one of the leaks that came out was the um, – uh, Lakeland, Florida dynasty tour. There was a lot yeah. of chunks, two cameras of that. And I took the, uh, of course there was, I think it was silent actually. I don't think there was any audio. So I took, there's a board tape that's from the rehearsals just a couple days before that show. And they were, I guess they were there and, and did rehearsals for a day or two before the tour began. And so I took that audio and synced it up to that Lakeland show. And now there's two new dynasty shows that have just been leaked, not leaked, but I think released. I think they may have come, from Ace's personal stuff that his girlfriend was auctioning or whatever, I think. Anyway, if the sound is good, I may actually take one of those and go back and, and clean that up and redo it. So I like to do the more creative side of stuff. And so I, my first idea was, you know what I feel like doing? Before Halloween, I want to take Attack of the Phantoms and uh, reconstruct Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park using that really good quality video that was on the DVD they finally released. Because uh, most people, uh, I mean... 
as cheesy as the 70s stuff was, I really hate the solo album songs just shoehorned into those scenes. They don't fit. They, <laughs> they don't, don't make fit. Sense. I, thank you. Thank you. Okay. I would rather hear that old uh, Starsky and Hutch or porno music, whatever. <laughs> it, 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 if you're going to be in it, own it, right? Own it. And that's what it is. But I thought, what if I could go through there and and um, what I want to do is, and, and, I, and honestly, I hadn't realized how different those two films really were. I yes. thought they just kind of moved some scenes around. I thought they took a couple things out and put a couple things in. When I started going through it to, to just attempt to replace the sequence of the original movie with the good attack footage, I realized there's entire scenes that are um, completely rem- a lot. And there's probably about 15 minutes worth of stuff that I had to use from the old uh, Phantom version. That's yep. not in the attack at all. And there's a couple scenes added to attack, which actually helped the story. There's the scene with the guards in the guardhouse where the That's right. uh, revolutionary. And then there's the scene with, with Devereaux and Calvin on the monorail when they're yeah. talking about the park and the problems. And that's not in the original. That's how I actually start my, my version. Um, so I remember, uh, I decided to, and I started playing with, it, I thought, man, this is a pain because not only do they move a scene, but they, the cuts are different. The angles are sometimes different. They'll take words out or they'll add words or they'll, um, there's actually uh, two, two spots that are totally a different take. Uh, one of them is where Calvin's walking with the other guards and he's talking about, um, you know, they call themselves the kiss army, you know, they've got these fans and they're walking towards the monorail, I guess, gate or whatever. And the, that scene is actually a totally different angle, totally different take from the two movies. And then the other one is Melissa getting into the elevator or the, uh, what does he call it? Yeah. The, the, we were joking about this on the other, other podcast about the elevator, oh, mechanism, yeah. elevator, elevator mechanism. mechanism. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. it's actually physically shot different seat because they don't line up. I tried to, so what I wanted to do is I wanted to use, if I could, every frame of both versions, I wanted to put together the ultimate edit where nothing's missing from either version. And the original thing I was going to do is simply take the live sequences and put live music because, you, as you know, I Stole Your Love is the only live music in it, basically. They do, they lip sync to Shout It Out Loud. They lip sync to Rock and Roll All Night at the end. And so I thought, well, the, well, the main thing I'm going to do is at least put at least get the audio from a live two or from the good L.A. Uh, Rock and Roll All Night. There's some good good outtakes from a live two you can find that are board mixes and just at least make the live stuff feel and sound live. And so that's where I started. And then as I started going through that, somebody on the, the kiss FAQ message board, which is maybe the biggest other than maybe the kiss online, it's probably the biggest kiss message board. You know, I've been on there for, I don't know how many years and years and years. So um, somebody on there said, Hey, you think there's any way you could like edit this to be like, kind of a like not such a bad movie make like a decent movie out of it and i said of course not no way how the heck are you gonna do that but then i thought you know what uh, maybe i can let me see what i could do so i sat down one lo- late one night and i had both movies up and i went through and i kind of just logged each scene okay scene 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 to compare them side by side see what was the same what was different how they and then i thought and then i went through it real quick and i thought okay let's put this into a three-act play um, just do a little outline. So this is where it's going to start. And I thought, what what is this movie about? Because we know what it's about, but it's not real clear when you when you watch that TV version. It's kind of like, yeah. so I thought, okay, there's a park. It's having financial problems, and it's also having problems because there's been accidents going on. They've got this genius technical guy, but he's getting sloppy, and now they're bringing this big rock band in to save the day. But they're kind of ignoring him 
and given all this attention to this, this band Kiss. What is this band Kiss? Everyone's talking about. And he's kind of old school. So that's kind of the plot. And then you kind of got the subplot with a little bit of a love story with, with Sam and Melissa, which they don't really get much into that, but they're kind of the, he disappears early on. And then she spends the rest of the movie trying to find him and get him back. And so I thought, you know, there is a plot here. Of course, it's 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 Phantom of the Opera, I guess. It's Phantom of the Paradise. Yeah. It's kind of a reworking of that same typical kind of a tale. Um, but I thought, you know what? Let, let me try to do that. And then as I started playing around, I thought, you know, I want to start it. I wanted to get some old. So so I took everything I could take from Attack, and then some of the footage I had to I had to use the TV version, which of course, even the best copies you could find from the laser disc they don't compare they're not that great and then we i i talked to a few people everybody sent me the best they had we ran it through ai tried to clean it up but you're still left with sub uh, uh quality stuff but you know i've seen some of those star wars edits where they stick in those missing scenes and it's still cool though. i can still watch it i could i could put that out of my head and say oh this is cool you know but i thought well one thing i thought to do is let me what if i incorporated some like super eight look to some of this stuff kind of like you're telling the story from the beginning you're going back and saying this was back in the 70s and this was going on and we had this old you know like people looking at their home movies sometimes of the scenes of the park and that also was a good tool to hide some of that bad quality like in some of the fight scenes some of the really poor quality video i stuck it on the tv and i have deborah watching them and then it kind of masks the quality of not being quite as good so that ended up working so the first thing i did is i looked on youtube i said i want to get some more footage of magic mountain just to stick in here just get some footage the first thing i found was that news report that the movie starts with and yeah. that's a real news report yeah and i thought 1978 somebody got killed on a ride they said it's due to 10 you know defects technical design defects i'm like i had to keep looking around because i thought this a kiss fan must have made this this has got to be something somebody put together some fake thing but no it really was it really happened i thought well that's perfect so i started off with him watching that news report and that sets the scene i think so what's going on and then he has a little bit of a conversation of course i redid the whole rock and roll all night intro thing um i i decided to one of the other things i thought was really really odd and they didn't bring across in the first movie was these guys are also kind of like superheroes right like yeah. we don't, they don't really talk about it. We know Gene kind of blows fire and Paul's got the, the eye that even lets him hear very well <laughs> across the swing pool. <laughs> Explain <laughs> that to me. But anyway, um, so I thought, you know what? I want to, in the intro, right up front, I'm going to show those kind of those cheesy scenes where they're flying from space down to the stage. And I want to put some comic book stuff in there so people understand this is a comic book and a rock band. Okay. These guys are, have powers and all that stuff, the talisman. So that's what I did in the beginning there and kind of used some of the live two promo footage. I used everything from the movie that was used. And then I did a brand new mix, which I like to do all this stuff with these isolated tracks. So, you know, there's never been a studio version with the guitar solo in it. So I created one. I took that mix that you hear in the movie for the intro credits is the drums are the studio drums from, I think I used uh, double platinum. They're probably a little cleaner than the uh, uh, dress to kill version. So you've got, I, I ran Gene's bass isolated. I ran it through an amp modeler to put some distortion on there because that's how Gene really sounded back then. You didn't really hear that hardly ever on the albums, but Gene was full on distortion. And that's one of those reasons why those live albums make the studio one sound really neutered. I think and part yeah. of that, Gene did not have that booming distorted you know, bass filling things out. So I did that in that version. So I've got studio drums. I've got Gene's bass with some distortion. I took the guitars from the studio and I blended them with the Kiss Alive guitars 
to fill them out better so not so thin and that also allowed me to pull ace's guitar solo from alive and drop it in over the uh, no vocal section and um and then i blended in some of the background vocals are from the studio and the live version so it's kind of like it's a studio version oh and, and i prefer the, the the vocals from alive to the studio version yeah. I like gene's delivery so i pulled the vocal off of alive and i synced it all up and got so that's i've made a whole new version of that so it's like a full length of the song it's got the guitar solo in it and everything so that was my first little project i did and then i started playing around with putting putting the movie together piece by piece and um kind of figured it out as i went you know i didn't start at the beginning and work my way through the movie i started i did the live sequences uh including um rip and destroy which i don't know if you guys felt the same way but in the original you know i the crowd reaction doesn't really fit what they're hearing i mean it just sounds like t kiss studio hotter than hell and paul's singing a little off time and he's singing some different lyrics which arguably may have been accepted better than the original lyrics. I mean, you're talking about teenage <laughs> kids and people in the audience. They probably think that was cool, you know? So I remember thinking, you know, this doesn't, I want to at least use, but I don't want to just use a lot. So I took the Alive track for Hotter Than Hell and took the vocal out of it. I used, so it's pretty much the Kiss Alive um, music for Hotter Than Hell and then Paul's vocal from the movie laid in there. And I also decided to make him really sound bad. So I actually detuned some of the guitars a little, put Paul off key, did some sloppiness in there because by the time they're through a verse and a chorus, the kids are yelling, get off the stage. You know, what are you doing? You know, so it should look, it should sound like they're going, this, this, yeah. ain't, this, this ain't the real kiss. Right. And so that's what I did. So that was a whole new kind of creation there. So after the live sequences, I started playing around with, um, you know, I want to do, I, I decided like, you know what? I don't want to use the old original fight scene music because as cool as it kind of is, if you want that kind of cheesy vibe, it's great. But a lot of those scenes, it really, it's kind of a turn, you know, hardcore kiss fans will watch it, but I'm thinking, what if you get kids and some people you want to show the movie to maybe the new generation. And a lot of them won't even, it's like trying to play uh, like when my grandma used to sit there and laugh her ass off at the Marx brothers. And I'd be like, what? What? Yeah. All, right. <laughs> and so I thought, well, maybe it could be a little bit more palatable and maybe, maybe you'd be able to watch it with your family at the holiday, whatever, you know? And so I thought, but I want to take, I want to put a lot more kiss music in this movie. And so I decided to do these sort of instrumental isolated track versions of a lot of the other kiss songs to go with those fight scenes, which then that required me to have to recreate all the sound effects. I had to do all the sound effects from scratch to all the fighting and all the boom and crashes and all that stuff. And so the first scene I did was the gene robot gene scene we were talking about. Um, and I decided almost human really fit yes. gene because it's gene and it's a robot. It's not, and, 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 and you know, I don't know. They, they did. This is what's weird. I didn't notice this back then, but there's a scene where when Melissa goes to visit Abner and he's showing her the robots and all that stuff and he's aren't they incredible and he says you know these are whatever these are these are almost human he says he actually says that and I never noticed and, and, and that song is not in the original TV movie okay they did no, have a bit of it uh, in there in Attack but I thought that's perfect and it leads right into them going into the haunted house or the whatever chamber the bikers go in there so it's did like you uh, did you purposely because I think I noticed this every time like when the robot kisses came on to do rip and destroy, you played almost human again. Every time you see the Every robot. Time. Yes. It's yes, a different version. That. It's a different version. Another, another thing you'll see in films is oftentimes they will have themes. Different characters will have themes. And so if you pay attention to that too, you'll see that 
I can't stop the rain. Not because of the lyric necessarily, but that's what that's Abner's thing. A lot of the scenes with yeah. Abner, I've got that piano theme behind him, and it builds up behind some of the stuff, and of course it ends. And then of course I wanted to expand the acoustic, the little by the pool acoustic set at night with Beth, and so I decided um, easy thing which is one of P maybe Peter's best vocal, in my opinion. That's a great song. And I thought, well, how cool would it be to have him playing a couple, more than one song? So I did a, did a strip that down, isolated tracks. And so also in a few other places in the movie, when you've got Melissa or Sam, you'll hear that song as well. That's kind of their theme. And so you'll hear that harken back a couple times. And then the version of Beth uh, is not from the movie. I decided, um, I, I think if he's sitting out there with Paul on the guitar doing this like, sort of intimate little I think it needs to sound a little bit more, not a studio perfect recording, like which is what it is in the movie uh, originally. So I actually took, I, I went on YouTube and, you know, again, if you've ever heard the old saying, it's easier to ask forgiveness than it is to ask permission. I found a guy on YouTube. I wanted to find like a fingerstyle cooler version, right? So I found this guy doing a fingerstyle version of Beth. Perfect. It sounded awesome. I actually credited him in the end credit. So his name is there, Guitar and Beth. Um, I don't know who he is, but I assume he's a Kiss fan. I, maybe I'll write him someday and say, hey, by the way, you know, sorry, but I, I credited you, but I wanted to use yeah. your plane. So I took that version, and then I took the, the vocals I took from Kiss Alive too, because they're like wonderfully uh, imperfect in many places, they're a little rougher. And then I took a few lines from the symphony version, I believe, because he says, he says a couple words differently. I had to get around that. So um, so the vocal is a combination of two live recordings and, of course, the, the new acoustic thing. And then, of course, the version of Easy Thing, it's just acoustic guitar and his voice. And then when it gets to the bridge part, when you find your love, that part, well, there's no yeah. acoustic guitar. So I'm actually playing acoustic guitar in the, in the bridge there because mm -hmm. there was no guitar in the isolated. I saw piano and orchestral there. So I had to try to match up the tone and sound. And I just I just looked up the chords real quick and tracked that section. <laughs> so the best, the best, the best version you did, that should be, yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. Well, thank you. It's, that, it's like it's, I told it's you cool. before, that should be a, that should be re kiss should release that as a single. I, uh, Stevie told me about it. I didn't hear your, your podcast on the other podcast. Yeah. Uh, he told me about it and I had been meaning to watch it. I, I have a VHS copy somewhere. I remember yeah. I got an 80, Eight, I think it's around time. Is around time. Smashes, thrashes, hits came out late eighties. Yeah, yeah, I got uh, one too. My mom and dad put up my stocking from Target. I still got yep. one. Sitting right yeah, I was at Musicland and I and I saw the smashes, thrashes, and hits. And then I saw, hey, what's this over here? So, of course, I yeah, yep, I watched it one. and 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 I just good times, good times video. I think yeah. here's the fun not affiliated with a religious organization. This <laughs> yeah. this label is stuck over another label. If you, I don't know if you can see it. Oh, there's wow. another yeah. label. I don't want to peel it off because I want to keep it on here, but there's yeah. a different label underneath this one. This has got to be the cheapest thing. And it's on, it's, it's recorded. I think EP speed. You remember how there was the three speeds. Yeah. This is yeah. like the yeah. lowest quality speed yeah. for two hour movie. <laughs> and, and, and you know what, before I started to do my edit, I thought, well, I've got to be just, let me see what that, let me see if I can transfer that as a source, Whew, man, does it look bad? It looks really, really bad. Try try um, explaining super long play and EP to, to a millennial yeah. these days. We're like, what? what? What's that? What are you talking about? Yeah. You know what's weird <laughs> about the tech? What's weird about technology is obviously, you know, we grew up without the internet and all that stuff, but I don't remember life without it all. It's hard to remember. Yeah. What, I mean, right. I remember it, but it's like, I remember when I used to have to call my mom and go, mom, who's that guy on that show? He's got the, you know, and 
now you just go, no. oh, you know, Alexa, what's Google? You, know, you Google it, boom, you know everything. <laughs> we should all be really, really, you know, educated now. But unfortunately, I think ninety percent of what's in there isn't really useful information. But yeah, it's, it's amazing, even it's amazing if, when you lose your phone. I just went through that. How lost oh, you wow. are, because yeah. like everything's on your phone. It's you know, it's like. You watch the old stuff from like Fantasy Island or like, you know, TV shows. Yeah. That's why men carried briefcases because everything now everything's in your phone. It's, it's yeah. It, it, like your technology's taken over. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to say, I got to say that, um, like, like I was saying about Stevie was telling me about it and I, I've been wanting to watch it. So I, I had to ask what the difference between Phantom and what, because I've watched them both. And I honestly, I've watched it, but I, I'm not a, I guess right. I, I pay his attention, but. Your version is the best. I mean, when, Definitely. when I saw the differences in that, like when the news report came on, I go, that's not in the original. And like Stevie didn't really give me a, tell me about yeah. it. He just told me to watch it. And of course I went to YouTube. It was already taken off YouTube. Yeah. Then you gave me another site to find. Uh, yeah. And I, my earliest memory of this, and you may not know who this is, but Sam went on to have a career on so Young and Arrested as Jack yeah. Abbott. Yeah, my, my, my mom was a huge soap opera watcher. Yeah. She was a stay-at-home mom, and I used to know all those. I mean, I knew all the people from all the shows because I was one of these. I'd sleep till ten o'clock and get up and sit on the couch. Mom, yeah. it goes on. Uh, but yeah, yeah, you know. And I didn't remember him back then, but when I see the pictures, I'm like, yeah, that's totally him. Yeah, and of course, um, Devereaux, of course, um, Anthony oh, Zerby yeah. or Zerby. He's still active you know. to this day. He's still he's still active and he's, he's still doing I mean, movies. he was in Papillon. He's in, I mean, he's a and honestly, if you take okay, you can't take Kiss out of the movie because that's what the movie's about. But all the other actors are very. I mean, Calvin's a good. They're all pretty good at what they're doing. Yeah. So it's really, Kiss that comes in and kind of stinks it up with with they maybe they should have either not had them act at all. But you know, back then it was the world was very naive. People would go on and play on these music on these shows, no chords plugged in, no nothing. And, and you really thought you were watching a band play. It's just way more naive back then. In fact, I got my old bass player swore, 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 swore that he saw kiss do those rock and roll over songs on Don Kirshner live. You know, the videos, the promo, the, the love me, leave them. And the, I yeah. want you. they aired those on Don Kirshner and he saw them because he's about five years older than I am. So, and I was like, no, dude, they never played live. Those were, he goes, dude, I saw the show. They were playing live. Because <laughs> back then you didn't really know. You didn't really think much about it. That's like that's like that show Solid Gold. Whenever you saw people oh, yeah. on Solid Gold, they were lip syncing. And you were thinking, yeah. oh, yeah, well, they're playing this there. live. The Elder, for the Elder, Kiss was on there. They did yeah. on there. Yep. Yeah. The uh, the guy that owned the park, I guess, that ran it. Um, I don't know if you know who he is, but. I remember reading about him about I, the guy who's trying to, you know, sell Devereaux that, you know, Kiss is playing. The Kelvin, the the guy yeah. with the gray haired guy. Yeah. Uh, I don't, you probably know this already, but he got in trouble for oh. piracy. When, okay. Uh, I thought you were going to say like pedophilia or something. No, no, no. Oh, ruined it for me. No, no, no. He, okay. He, okay. Uh, you know how those movie streamers that come out? Yeah. That they're, they're, oh, released they got, they got like them that. tagged with your name. They got right? him tagged on there. He yeah. got kicked out of the academy because he was one doing that. There's always a paper trail, especially in technology. And he was, yeah. and I thought that was an interesting fact that. Well, I, I remember like, how I know that. I just, I looked it up one day. I remember years ago when I'd still uh, listen to Howard Stern sometimes, it was the same story happened because he would yeah, get these. He was on there. He would get these and they would have your name encrypted. So if anybody got a copy, they look and see where you got it from, whether you did it or not. You were, yeah, that could be the mail guy taking it from you. Right. That's what happened. Yeah. I mean, Howard what, Stern doesn't need him. the money. Come on. You know? Yeah. Yeah. 
exactly. And I remember him saying that too. Could have been the cleaning person, could have been anybody, yeah. or he'd let people sometimes borrow it, watch stuff, you know. But uh, and I gotta, yeah. I, I gotta say, I agree with Stevie. I mean, I mean, he's talking about the Beth part, but I know we're, but man, if Kiss would have done this type of movie, showing how great they were live, that they weren't just a clown yeah. band, I just. I think this movie, yeah, it was kind of cheesy, but your version's not so cheesy where I think the band would, I mean, everybody was, I mean, the graphics are cool. It was the seventies, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I, I just, I mean, I was just, I loved it. I mean, it's the best version oh, cool. I've seen. I, well, I appreciate mean, it. I mean, and that's what it's I was amazing. To do. It's amazing. I was, I was trying to go through and each, each thing, of course, you know, I always joke there's, you know, I think Abraham Lincoln said, you can please some of the people I'll, all the time you can please all the people from the time but you can't please any kiss fans any of the time ever so you will never <laughs> please all the kiss fans even if you please a few so um so i i went through it like okay everything that i don't like about it and again when i say don't like about it, you can always go watch the original you can it's make a, it better out there yeah make it better or at least again not turn people like coming from my band we were doing thrash music in the late late 80s and Almost nobody had good production for that kind of music at that time. Nobody really knew yet how to record really fast drums on. And so our first couple albums are, you know, not fantastic sounding. In fact, most of them weren't. Um, and so I can kind of understand where you want to play something for somebody and like, hey, these are cool songs, but they can't kind of get past the way it sounds. Well, I also thought, like, again, younger kids, and I, I don't have kids, so I can only imagine they're probably impossible to please with anything from the 70s, but <laughs> you know, if you're a big Kiss fan and you got you got kids, and I mean, this has kind of become kind of a Halloween movie for, for a lot of, you know, peop, a lot of fans and, and kids, with their kids and whatnot, and I thought, well, I don't think kids understand the the, the wonderful cheesiness of the 70s as much oh, as yeah. we might. Love it. Uh, they kind of don't get it, so that's why I thought I'd rather just leave Kiss Meets the Phantom how it is. If you want to just do that real 70s tongue-in-cheek with all that all that music and the cop fight scene music, that's already there. Um, and so this version, I thought, it maybe make it a little bit, again, more palatable. Maybe say, look, this isn't, this isn't, uh, you know, The Godfather. This isn't Gone with the Wind. Okay, it's a Kiss movie. It's a it's a vehicle for Kiss to get on TV, and and, and I probably spent a lot more time on it than they did when they made it. And I'm sure, <laughs> both edits put together. Um, it was thrown together again. It was like sold to them one way, and they got there, and it was something totally different. Yeah. And God, so, I think they missed the boat. Because if they would have done it the way you did it with the music in there, well, see, it, the other, it, it was like highlighting their music that was showing what how great that was. I mean, like, hey, what's that song? I want to get that album. I mean, they totally right. missed the mark on making this marketable. Yeah, and that's what that's what I wanted to do too. And you notice there's a lot more live footage in there. Now there's not a lot to pull from. And of course, it's that's another reason I decided to take that super eight method because there's a lot of cool footage and a lot of it I made looking even worse. So you get the idea, hey, you're looking at a combination of this is the 70s. That's what you had. You had people sneaking in Super 8 cameras. You had people a little later sneaking in maybe video or in-house VHS cameras. Like the Largo footage was what I drew mostly yeah. from for the uh, for the other stuff that wasn't included. Now, I didn't stick 20 songs in there, full songs. As you notice, I do a the intro, a verse, a chorus, and then we get out. It's a little bit. It's kind of like a medley not tacked together. So if you're if you kids or you're younger and you're watching this movie, you don't just see three and a half songs or whatever you saw. I mean, the, the original has like half of I Stole Your Love and then it goes straight to Gene Breathing Fire and I Stole Your Love, which of course he didn't do. Now, I did make a decision to keep it kid-friendly. If you notice, there's no blood in the first one. 
or an attack. And I thought, you know, that's probably was a conscious decision. And, and I wouldn't think it was a big deal. I probably saw face of death when I was nine or so. I mean, not that I should have, but <laughs> nowadays I have a niece though, that's 10 now. And it's, a, it's, people are really weird and sensitive about what their kids see in some ways. So I thought, you know, if you're going to watch, play this for your seven, eight, nine, 10 year old kids, watch it on Halloween. Um, I, you know, a lot of people don't want to see Gene spitting blood and looking like a demon and a monster. Uh, so I decided, but I did want to see Ace's guitar smoking in there. I did want to stick the fire back in Firehouse, so it made some sense. I did want to show Paul going up on his riser. I wanted to, I wanted to show everybody getting singing. I wanted to see that they sang sometimes. I wanted to show, so a little bit of all of that era of that tour. Now, when I did the other podcast, um, Joey was saying, you know, obviously in a TV movie, that would probably bog it down. For the unkissed fan, it may bog the plot down if you just sit through. Of course, yeah. I split, I try to divide it up, obviously. I don't just show a big 15-minute chunk. And honestly, the music segments are like seven minutes total, seven, eight minutes. And that's with going, shooting back and forth between scenes, which is something else I use a lot to break up some of those. You know, there wasn't a lot of a conscious decision given back at that time. And some of these scenes that would go on and on and on and on and kind of just go like when they go into that chamber of thrills, it's almost endless, you know, where they're just yeah. walking through a chopper. And so I decided, cause in the movie, Melissa comes and he's talking to Melissa. Then he gets a dead and then he goes and sees, Oh, they're in there. So he rushes her out and then he gets over there. And then that begins that whole long scene. So I thought I'd have him see them walking into the place first. And then Melissa shows up. And then as he's talking to her, we see them going in a little bit at a time. And then he's talking to her. Then we see him messing with the family, popping the balloon and all that stuff. And then we go back to, and then the buzz goes off when they start messing with the family. Okay. It's like he, he knew they were in there, but now it's time to get real. So that's where he kind of rushes her out. And then he gets back to, and then he starts messing with them and get right to the action. So just using that little, that little kind of stuff, you know, and, and little things And I tried to really focus on like Peter's voice. Um, I would have loved to ask Peter, I tried to get Peter to redo his voice. That would have been awesome. I could have dropped it in from an iPhone. No problem. But, um, Obviously, that's anything I gave thought to. I don't know him. I don't know anybody that actually knows him. I don't know if he had any interest in doing it anyway. So I tried a couple things. First thing I did was I went through and and I did all of Peter's lines myself. Okay. And I tried to, you know, because it's not Peter's voice. Nobody knows me, my voice. But when I did it, it was my voice. It sounded weird to me. And I thought, you know what? People, these people are going to hate it. Screw it. Just leave it what it is. We know what it is. But what I did do with his voice, and I don't know if you'll really notice this as you hear him side by side, is I pitched him down about a half a step, about one fret down. And it takes a little bit of that cartoonishness away. And it really makes it a little bit closer to his actual real voice, I think. So that's like little, the little stuff like that. I tried to, the nuances. And also you notice I throw a little bit of, little bit of kiss humor in there, like where she's asking about the talisman. And that scene, and Gene starts to give it so serious. And then, you know, Ace's line was cut out. I remember as a kid, I thought it was funny when Ace said it was hilarious. Fifth. So I thought, well, how funny would it be if Ace actually interrupted Gene via, you know, um, sort Snyder. of like Tom Snyder interview, right? And you see Gene, and I kind of rolled some of the times in the scenes, I'd roll the footage backwards to get the reaction to me. And so that's actually Gene getting, but I roll it back so it looks like he does this like, you hear kind of growl. And that's the other thing I did with Gene was, you know, you talk about in that scene with the guards where he's fighting, the robots fighting the guards. Um, he does have Godzilla's foot, stop, you know, when he's walking, you can hear him growling and breathing like a dragon. I used actual dragon sound effects. I thought I just went on YouTube and looked up whatever I needed. 
I needed a footstep. I needed boards breaking. I need, and I just download them and find what I needed and put them together and, and all that stuff. And it was really just a fun, creative outlet for me to do it. Um, of course, it became an obsession where it was like literally yeah. every day. I mean, I work, I'm a programmer. I work regular 40 hour week, you know, and then, but every night I was up till, you know, two, three, four a.m. working on the stuff. And, you know, and, and some people have commented, you know, they can tell, that I did it with the passion of a real Kiss fan. And that's exactly what yeah. I am. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. my whole life, it, so much of it has been about that band. You, and had more, reason, you had more passion than the people that originally made it. I give you that. But yeah. again, <laughs> but again, you know, at that time, what did they think? Hey, here's some, you know, yeah. here's some fly-by-night band that's popular in the minute. I mean, I actually saw the um, Paul and Halloween special when it aired, but I didn't know what I was seeing. I was a couple years earlier. I think I was probably eight or something. And I remember seeing the show, but I didn't really know. I don't think I was really into music, like bands, bands yet. Um, because my parents weren't like, like nowadays you got probably like 67 year old people listening to Slayer, maybe Metallica, you know, back then your mom and dad had their little music stuff and you kind of did your own thing. And if you're a kid, um, I wasn't really into bands yet. So I remember seeing Kiss in this Halloween show, but I didn't know if they were like part of the show, you know, how they might have some like, Halloween rock band or something, you know? So I didn't know what I was even seeing at the time until a year or so later when I started getting into them and I remembered seeing it. Um, so yeah, I didn't even know when I'd seen them, but, um, but you got to think about the filmmakers again. They didn't know kiss was going to be around for 50 years. Nobody did kiss. probably sure. didn't even think that. And they were yeah. really riding. They were totally riding the wave at that time. I mean, they were just doing everything they could, every kind of lunchbox, every kind of whatever. I mean, they were just like, they knew they were on the top at that minute and they needed to do everything they could. Now, unfortunately, if you, if you watched it to the very, 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 very end where I got that little snippet at the end where I have everybody yeah. doing the, what I decided to Rock do that because roll. I thought, you know what? I know every freaking syllable of this movie. Cause there's parts, there's actually parts of the movie where, where the actors, they're, they're, some of the words don't come out very clear. So I would actually go get syllables for from other parts where they said the word and, and put it together. So it was clearer and stuff. And so I was like, oh, I could find somebody saying, I want to rock and roll all night and party every day. And so I did it. But then at the very end, the clip of the baby in the stroller, what that is, is that's from Kiss Beats the Phantom of the Park. Yeah. And it was in the crowd. And I thought to myself, you know, it looked silly to wear where, what song I put it in. So I thought, you know what? To me, nothing says Kiss 1978 more than a toddler in a stroller with a bottle waving at kiss because that was just like about when it all fell through right around that minute was, was when they took that turn and went too far. I think probably they, 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 they I don't think kiss was ever really able to make a move and, and keep the old people on board at the same time. You know, it was always kind of a, like a lateral move. I don't know. It was always like, you know what I mean? Like, it's great when you see how they yeah. grow over the years. Now, I followed, I think I might have been just about exactly the perfect age to be a Kiss fan from their perspective because I was like 10 when the movie was on, you know, and, and you know, you're not too old to not still appreciate something like that. When Dynasty came out, I was like 11, 12 years old. I mean, I was listening to ABBA and KMOX on AM radio. I was listening to, we were all listening to radio stuff back then, too. It didn't seem like, you know, I wasn't some 16, 17-year-old burning disco albums or breaking disco albums. I thought, hey, I loved it. I saw Kiss on the, the videos for Dynasty were awesome. I loved the costumes at the time. I loved it all. And then Unmasked, I, I was, you know, 12, whatever. I was still young enough. I loved the music. I still love that album. And then, oh, my God, The Elder. Well, I was like 
13 probably. And I was like, man, that was exactly the right age for me because I was wanting them to get a little bit more mature. I mean, I had discovered the wall by then. I mean, I became a huge Floyd fan and then kiss came out with this album. It's like, wow, these are great songs, great music. Um, and I still love it. And of course, everybody else was like, whoa. I mean, I was like, felt like the last man standing a lot of times. I mean, I've always defended kiss my whole life because you had to really most of the time, maybe not so much in the eighties with the eighties fans, but I mean, it was a hard fight <laughs> going through school in those days, going back to school and then going, oh, that Kiss movie was really, for, you know, Kiss is for kids, for babies. I was almost going to put that at the end when the babies and stroller. Kiss are for babies because that's what everybody <laughs> used to say to me back in school. Um, and you're like, uh, you know, and they, they, you know, it's like either you loved or hated Kiss. That's always how it was. And a lot of the people yeah. um, that loved them early on, like I, I, the three or four of my old LPs I still have, I bought them from a friend of my brother's $2 a piece because he was no longer a Kiss fan. So I got to, you know, I, I you know, I cleaned up <laughs> with all those old fan, ex fans. Yeah. How many, if you had to guess, how many hours did you put into this? I don't know. I think I worked on it for probably a couple months, pretty much every day. Um, <clears throat> uh, so I don't know. But I mean, it, it's it's and, more than how much time I worked on it because I was thinking about it when I wasn't working on it too, you know. And <laughs> here's the other thing: I didn't sit down and go, "I'm going to do this project and plan it out." And work. I just d- jumped into it and just figured stuff out as I went. Uh, the the box on the the box on the wires that wobbles across the room to him. Yeah. I thought, you know, I mean, there's a guy that did the you know he's probably seen where he put like the lightsabers in that like the yeah yeah kung fu scene or whatever. And I thought, well. I mean, it looks great, but it's like, to me, lightsabers are for Star Wars, right? It's, it's, it, you know, but what he did, some of the stuff, I love the, the thing he did where they disappear through the portal. Uh, and if you notice, I add a little of that in where I have them do kind of a, uh, they appear yes, in the I park. Did. So I did do a little something. And um, like at the very end, before they go fight the robots, I thought it doesn't make sense that they break out of this jail and then they flap to space just to fly back down to the stage. <laughs> I always thought that was weird anyway. So I thought it was better to have ACE. Let's just teleport over to the other side of the park, uh, to the parking lot where the stage is, you know? And so all that flying in from space. Cause uh, you know, again, in the original movie, you see kiss briefly for what, two and a half, three minutes during rock and roll all night in the opening credits. In fact, it goes right into that in the, in the U S the TV version. Um, and then you don't see kiss again. That's why I also minutes. I also thought it might be cool to have Abner checking out what is this kiss all about. So if you notice, I put a little bit of that uh, land of hype and glory in there. Land of hype and glory, yeah. And so it's a couple of my favorite quotes. I love Gene's quote about why are you looking for meaning where there is none. We're you know we're just trying to have fun here. Don't overanalyze it. And then Paul talking about slobs walking on stage that need a shave. You know, um, and and so I thought it would be kind of cool to bring a little bit of kiss into the movie a little bit sooner. Um, there was no way to physically put them in the movie before then because everything they do is at night. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, this concert's and every scene with them is at night. So there's no way I could... I tried to think if there was a way to bring them into the film a little bit earlier, but there really wasn't anything that would have made any sense. And so as it started rearranging it, going piece by piecemeal, I had to always think about continuity too because there's certain stuff that you don't think about it. It's like, well, wait a minute. We, we can't see Robot Gene being built after we've seen robot gene fight the guards already. So we got to remember to keep this stuff in order. Um, you know, in the whole pool scene, there's a lot of that stuff. There was every other line was taken in or taken out or put in depending on which version you're looking at. So I had to kind of put that all together. Of course you can see the quality difference where there's different stuff. I'm currently working on yeah. someone's trying to get a straight laser disc rip 
formy. They might have somebody that's got an actual laser disc that's not been tweaked and and, and adjusted. Um, and and I and I like to go back in and just kind of upgrade that footage if I can. I'm actually going to be doing that. Um, uh, a couple things like that. I'm not going to do any change any of the edits or do any of that kind of stuff. I think I'm I'm happy with what it ended up with. Um, yeah. And so uh, yeah, but I might upgrade. Uh, I've actually upgraded the Largo footage. I got a little bit cleaner footage of that, but it's not anything that's going to really affect the movie at all. But I mean, to me, it's all feels like a life's work. I mean, it's not what I do, but I just dug in. And I thought no one's ever done this before. That's weird. I was like, how many billion people are there and how many kiss fans have there been in 50 exactly. years? Almost? Um, really? No. I mean, and I have seen versions. There is a version I found where someone actually did edit in the missing. They didn't do any changes to anything. They just pulled the, they use attack mostly like I planned to do originally. Then they just drop in those missing scenes here and there. Um, but other than that, I haven't really seen where anybody's done anything um, similar to this. And I thought, well, that's cool. I mean, I hope people like it. You know, you know, I even put it, you burn it on a DVD or maybe watch it with the family and Halloween or whenever else. And, and I, and yes. I also wanted it to be sort of a little bit of a, um, an overview of Kiss's music too. Like you said, I mean, there's almost no Kiss music in the original one. I mean, and where they and where they tried to rectify that with attack, it's it's just all misplaced. It fit. It's just like a commercial, just jamming it in there. I mean, you know, you got them fighting these guys to uh, what hooked on rock and roll or whatever, and it's just almost like. And you got Gene. The, the beginning of Radioactive is is awesome. We all know that, right? Yeah, sounds like it should be like yeah. a Slayer album or something. But then when the song comes in. I mean, I'm probably most proud of that scene with the almost human with that mix and the way I think it fits and the way Gene and it's really cool how sometimes some of the some of the music just sort of falls in the right spot, you know, perfectly. And it looks, you know, turns out really good. But, yeah, I think there's probably bits of has got to be close to like 15, 20 kiss songs now instead of like maybe three, four kiss songs like in the original. Well, here, here's another thing that that was asked on another podcast and I'll get I don't know if Warden's heard it or not. You think they kind of you talk about they missed they missed the boat on doing certain things like like how he did the movie how Ken did the movie. What about didn't they miss miss the mark by not having like a re- official release soundtrack to this movie? Don't you? Can't well, you imagine I don't think how that any, would be. I don't think there'd be anything on it but porno music from the seventies. Well, that's what I'm I saying. Mean, what I'm saying is though they could have put together had, like the greatest hits, but that would be double platinum basically, right? Exactly. I mean, they could have they could have just called like double platinum. The soundtrack to Kiss right. the Battle of the Park. And stick, stick, rip, and destroy on there. I mean, which yeah. is like one verse, which apparently I never noticed this. I always thought Paul said he just hurried up and wrote a quick verse when he needed new lyrics. But if you look at the credits, they credit the song to Gene and Paul. Paul wrote Hotter Than Hell by himself. So Gene must have written the lyrics, not Paul. Or at least must have helped with the lyrics. Because in the original Hotter Than Hell uh, credits, it's Paul Stanley only. And in the movie, it's both of them at the end. In fact, that's something that I've added. the The one that I did that's out there, I don't have any of the Kiss songs listed at the end. Um, I didn't realize they did that because in, in Phantom they don't. They don't list any music at the end, other than like this. The I think it talks about the guy that scored like the fight scenes or something like that. But um, and somebody pointed it out to me, and I was like, wait, there's no song credits at the end of the movie. If you go to, to Attack of the Phantoms, you go to the very, 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 very end. They got about two screens they stick up there. It's got all the songs listed with the credits. And I, I never knew I never noticed that. So I have added those in too. So it'll have a list of all the songs that are in there. And, and the songs you pick for like the fight scenes. Mm. So I mean, like you did almost human for that, but like baby drivers in there with the in the kung fu part. Yeah. Uh, then you got uh, Love and Change is, is now Love and Change is in is in Attack of the Phantom. It's actually so in the movie. Yeah, I took the vocal out though because making that was love. 
Making love. I mean, you got to fight him to something that's, I mean, if you notice, there's a few great shots like where, you know, where the riff starts again and the drums, boom, and Peter kicks him right in the butt, right on that. You know, there's a few like nods yeah. to the music in there that are lined up. Um, but yeah, it, you know, what I started doing was these isolated tracks was a lot of times you pull down the drums and bass and it's like, there's some cool, cool stuff going on. Gene was always a great bass player, very much like Paul McCartney or, or Brian Wilson, very melodic, walking bass lines. He always played around the music and it really, really, I think he's very underrated as a, as a overall, as a musician. Now, Gene can get on my nerves as bad as anybody. And, and the internet, I think the internet probably hurt Kiss more than anything ever did because they were a lot better when we didn't know that much about their personal life. I yeah. think because it, you know, I hate to say it, but they're not maybe the four most beloved, most, you know, greatest guys maybe, but who knows? But um, I know that once the, the work started showing, it was all bad stuff. And, and, you know, and then Gene, you got to see kind of what G was all about. And he kind of, uh, he kind of loves to be this sort of hated, whatever despised kind of guy. But, um, you know, but, but the thing is doing something, I don't remember what I was, was talking about there, but um, anyway, <laughs> the internet really did like, you don't want to know that much about your heroes, you know, or if you do, you want to hear that they're, you know, they don't all have to be like, you know, boy scouts or Eagle scouts or whatever, but, um, you know, a band like Kiss is, was so divided personality wise. I mean, to me, if you know, if you're studying psychology or something, you need to watch the Tom Snyder Tomorrow interview because that is oh, gosh, an yeah. absolute masterclass in personality clashes and the body language that's going on. And all. I mean, I saw that thing. So I went out to L.A. in 1990 for a music, uh, a big uh, forum, you know, music forum out there. And and we stayed with our record rep. And he actually broke out this VHS tape and it had the Tom Snyder interview. This is 1990. And I had never even heard of this. And I was like, it was really weird. Cause you didn't know a lot about their personalities that much back then. 1990, you're talking pre-internet and all that stuff. And then he also had like, I think he had the, uh, the, the, the Budokan shows, the 77 Budokan show. And he had another one. And he had gotten them from the uh, Brian Slegel, the president of the metal blade records. And I was like, I had no idea this stuff existed as a kiss fan. I mean, I'd never seen they you'd never see a kiss concert on TV. I mean, and that's what with, with Phantom, what I thought would be kind of cool to do was to be do sort of a combination of a concert film from their arguably their peak of their kick assness, right? You know, 77, 78. They were really were on top of the world. And I don't care what any of the young, you know, you got these people online and that beetle suck, you know, this 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 attitude. It's like, man, in 78. I don't care if they fudge the numbers. I don't care on the record sales. I don't care what was real, what wasn't. They were everywhere. They, yeah, they were. were everywhere. For that year or two, I mean, they were, I mean, yeah, they were never Zeppelin, but as a fan, I mean, they were everywhere, but not in the ways that you would think. Like they weren't constantly on TV. They weren't, you know what I mean? But they were just, it was a big, big deal. Um, Every, everywhere you turned, you saw Everywhere kids. you turned, and it really was a big deal. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a reason they were, where they were, putting them on those Gallup polls, top band, yep. even, even if they really weren't real surveys, there's a reason those magazines were putting those guys on those top of those lists. Cause they knew the fans, they were putting them on every magazine cover because they knew people wanted to see it, you know, one way or the other, they knew that's how popular they were, you know? And, and again, for, for younger fans and stuff, pre-internet was like, all you knew was their favorite food, their favorite color, you know, 16 magazine, all that stuff. You didn't oh, know anything yeah. about the infighting that went on. You didn't know anything about their personalities. Um, 
you know, and then by the time the nineties came along, you had every one of their ex friends writing books about what a piece of crap they all are and all this kind of stuff. You know, I mean, I, I would hate to have books written about me by like my ex wife or all my ex friends, you know, from sixth grade or 10th grade or something. But, um, unfortunately, I'm stuff, yeah, I'm writing one on Stevie right now. So <laughs> expose his truth, but you're not going to say anything you wouldn't say to his face though. Right. Course not. Oh, remember, right. Yeah, right. I remember kind of talking talking about the nineties and stuff. And I remember, yeah, we didn't really know that. We saw it with exposed, but that was all, you know. Yeah. Look, but what they really had, what I liked back then pre-internet was the fanzines. Mm-hmm. Like you would get those at like they were like you would get those at like uh, record conventions and stuff, and it would kind of give you more in depth on the band. Yeah. Well, that's fans. Some of that stuff was great. See, I didn't, I didn't know about the fanzines back then. When I was playing in my own band, of course, heavy metal was very underground in the early mid '80s. Still, before Metallica really blew up, it was all pretty underground. And so the fanzines were huge for like a band like ours, Midwest band. Nobody knows who we are. Nobody ever heard of us. You know, you don't have LA and New York around you to do stuff. So the fanzines were huge for us, especially in Europe and stuff, because people would do interviews with you and that's how i mean we've got people that say oh i wrote to you guys in 1988 and you sent me a christmas card that year and oh, nice all this stuff you know and they remember that stuff but here's the thing too i think it's possible and being in a band for you know i was in a band well i've been in band in and out of this band for however long 30 years wherever it was um i think it's very possible to be very straightforward very truthful and very honest uh without slinging dirt on people because mm-hmm. we certainly had personality cr- clashes in our band and we joke about it openly sometimes, but everybody knows that it's like anything, but you, but there's a way I can talk about a person or tell a story without having to tell you the worst habit details, I ever yeah. had. Yeah. It's like, what's, what's the point, you know? And then, you know, when you read like these books, like, the, like the, uh, was it kiss and tell where the, uh, Gordon's the ace. Book yeah. Started? It's like, and I don't know that guy, whatever, this ain't personal, but it's like, if somebody's writing a book about what a horrible person I am, why in the hell were you my friends for so many years? Yeah. If I'm that bad a person, right. So it's like, what are you saying about yourself? You know, exactly. It's one thing, if you're working relationship with a person, but if you're just tagging along, getting to know this ex kiss guy, and then you're going to hang out with him until he finally blows you off. And then you're going to write a book about what a horrible person he is to be around. Well, what were you doing all that time then? You know, and we know, we know the answer, but I'm just saying, uh, that's that's the kind of things you got to think about. So, but we, I mean, we all like to read the mud and all that kind of stuff. It's kind of fun, but uh, yeah. And I mean, honestly, Peter of the of the four biographies, I love Peter's book. Peter's book, very awesome. Um, yeah, he's a whiner. Yeah, he's a complainer. He's all these, you know, he's a hothead Italian. Like, I mean, I'm half that Nardi's an Italian name. I mean, I get it. I, I understand all that. Um, but at the same time, his book reads very honestly. I think. I think his almost lack of self-awareness is kind of cool because he tells you things that I just wouldn't say, you know, he talks about stuff where it's like, but you do get a feel for how different those four guys are. I mean, and even Gene and Paul, they're not exactly best buddies, you know, go out, go fishing every weekend together. You know what I mean? It's a bit of business relationship forever and ever. And it's pretty obvious. Those two are very different personalities as well. But, but Gene is a guy um, I think, it's easy for him to get on your nerves. But the weirdest thing to me about Gene is that watching all these old uh, bootlegs and going through all the music and really analyzing it, seeing the current state of the band and like Paul's voice and different things like that. I mean, Gene is a pretty rock solid musician and very, very talented. Now Gene's the kind of guy that would write a song every 10 minutes, whether it's crap or not, and just throw it at the wall <laughs> yeah. to see what sticks. Right. You yeah. know, I've heard a lot of the vault stuff and all that, but it, so Gene, I don't think Gene ever really, uh, worries about quality control much but on the other hand 
He's actually a really, really great singer. He's actually a very good writer. He's a rock solid bass player. He never really gives himself credit as a musician. I think he's really, really, really good bass player. I mean, I'm not just talking about coming up with really creative bass lines, but I mean, all those old videos, he's jumping around and man, I don't hear him hitting no missing notes, playing slop, none of it. I mean, he's rock solid on that stuff, and he still is to this day. You talk and about so, uh, <clears throat> talk about quality control. I mean, he was. He didn't care about that with the groupies either, evidently. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, well, the rumors, are, the rumors are the uglier and the fatter, the better. That's how yeah. it was in the early Bigger days. the cushion, the better the pushing. Exactly. I don't think he had, um, Somebody that I used to play music with, he he never saw the book, but he knew someone that had supposedly seen the, the photo book back in the day. The Polaroids. Yeah, the Polaroids. And he said <laughs> it looked like about a hundred kidnappings almost you know what i mean because he would take a picture of each everybody he every girl he'd be with it or whatever but yeah so i wonder if that exists in any form or did he did did shannon make him destroy that did we actually know for sure because supposedly he had hundreds and hundreds oh, yeah. of photos thousands um, so i don't know if that still exists i can't imagine gene not being the kind of person that thinks that should be doesn't think that should be in a museum somewhere he's all because <laughs> he's very proud everybody else is disgusted but he's proud of it he's right, proud right. of it yeah oh yeah this is this is my work this is what i do yeah yeah paul, uh, paul always was like kind of the top shelf kind of a guy it seemed oh, like yeah. right? you know you got to look like a playmate or whatever you know um or at least at least uh the um prom queen or whatever it happens to be but uh samantha gene, fox yeah. samantha fox uh yeah yeah well, those are the famous ones, but I mean, even the girls you'd see, I don't think Paul was just, I think oh, he no. was taking his pick. He was, <laughs> he was, probably, more, he was probably a little yeah. bit more selective. Yeah, right. he was selective on his choices. Yeah, you talked about, uh, Warden, you were talking about the exposed tape, seeing Kiss, yeah. like the first time of that. I remember back when, gosh, when we first got the internet, America Online, there was a guy on there that he was from like Kansas City, I think. And he he had a freaking catalog he would send to you, and he had all these tapes. And I mean, I spent. Well, that was the Kiss Vision stuff, probably. Or no, I it had, wasn't Kiss Vision. This was this guy. I, this I'm not was Domino. Domino Video is the one that I said, and he'd send you a little photocopied, folded over papers catalog with all the DVD, all the VHS tapes in there. And it was like buy two get one free. And it was like a two hour tape. And you yeah. could pack it full with whatever bits you could fit into two hours. So you'd say, okay, I want the ABC in concert. That's uh, 20 minutes. And then I want to stick Houston. That's only 40 minutes on there. And I got what I got left an hour. It's like the end of a uh, wheel of fortune, you know, when you're trying to spend yeah. down every dollar you got left over, you know? So yeah, you let you pick whatever you can fit on a two hour tape. And it was like 20 bucks for a tape. And if you bought two, you got three, you know, three, yeah. three. And that was Domino was the company that I knew of. And I had got that name from the back of Pike Circus or one of those magazines. And then I, and then I still might have a couple of those old, black and white photocopied catalog. I, I still got the catalog for this guy. He, yeah. I remember getting, when you said something like Tom Snyder, this Tom Snyder, I remember getting that for the first time, seeing that for the first time. And I was like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah. But I think the first one I got was a, the a reunion you, tour, Madison Square Garden. Oh, okay. Uh, so it was already a fan shot, but yeah, it was freaking. Okay. I mean, I, I got some of the, I mean, I, I was yeah. checking off. My, yeah, my I eventually was, bought them all. I eventually yeah, my goal everything. was to get everything. Yeah, but, this uh, was yeah. this was probably earlier to I mean, probably like about 94, 95 ish when I was getting most of that stuff. Um, and yeah, I had everything with makeup I had pretty much that was offered, you know. And they had the uh, uh the evolution of kiss stuff, and then they had oh, like yeah. the, the preachers compilation and the whatever the compilation. TV compilation, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
and, uh, and that's out. another thing. I remember sitting up and watching Kiss on Fridays with the Elder stuff, and I was I blown yes. away. I mean, I love the. Elder. I watched that. I remember watching that. Yeah, I, lo- I lucked out in the. I, I was such a Kiss nerd that I had a buddy of mine that was in a band. He worked at a place called I don't know if they had Sound Warehouses or up yep. there in St. Louis. Yep. But I was talking. He knew that I was a big Kiss fan, and so he introduces me to this guy, real short little guy, and. I think he's a little kid, but no, he's Eric Singer. Yeah, no, I'm joking. Uh, he, yeah, he, he, uh, oh, you like Kiss and stuff. I guess he overheard me talking and stuff. And he goes, Yeah, man, um, I got this tape of like, you know, this is like 92, 90, you know, of like, you know, I think it was Kiss Vision. It was like a bunch of stuff. It had right. like the, it had the alive commercials. It had, you know, the greatest concerts of all time, you know, Live yeah. 2. And it had the Tom Snyder, had a, it was like about a two, three hour compilation tape. Yeah. He wanted 20, 25 bucks. So he goes, Hey, here's my address or whatever for phone. So I'm there and I'm talking to him and I, his apartment and I, I look at his artwork and have you ever heard of the band dangerous toys? Yeah. yeah. He was uh, the guy that did the artist. His name was Tommy and he okay. actually was the artist for dangerous toys. And, uh, I had actually had talked to Jason McMasters a few years later, the, the lead singer of Dangerous Toys. I was at a Motley Crue show and talking to him, and I was telling him, hey, I used to get stuff from Tommy, like Kiss. Oh, yeah, I big Kiss fan stuff. And he was telling me that uh, kind of when the reunion tour got going, Tommy did artwork for Kiss. Like, if you ever seen that one where it's like Gene's kind of head, but it's on a woman's body? It was for yeah. a European tour. He yeah. did some of the artwork like that. Oh, cool. So that's, that's my kind of tie to Kiss. But, oh. I mean, it was like this. It was like a two-hour tape that just it, it started yeah, out with Ren and Stimpy, and like The Simpsons. It had some kind of artwork, so it was like a, obviously a bootleg that went around. Yeah. But seeing the Tom Snyder, seeing all this stuff, I mean, Alive was the. T- I mean, uh, Exposed was like kind of a taste. This right. was the real deal. What I mean, was the one? Was it ex- the Extreme one? Is that the one that had a lot of really good old clips on it? Was that yes. Extreme and had a lot of the old stuff? Right? Extreme and Confidential too. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. I thought ex- no, exposed. Ex- exposed was the first I one. Say, that, I want to say it was like the third. Wasn't it the one that came out close to getting closer to like mid nineties? Uh, and was they that kiss my ass one. Oh, that one. Oh, that yeah, was that the, one had a lot yeah. of stuff too. But that had the other. What band. was the one that was it? Kiss Extreme that had the it had it labeled wrong. Like it said, you know, I was made for loving you was like nineteen seventy six or something. There was oh, maybe, in. maybe I don't remember. For I think sure. It was like because they start, It was like when they did a Extreme Close Up, it was like you know, like fuck you, you don't like kids, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like whatever and stuff. Extreme Close Up was probably the best one. That was yeah. the one where you saw Paul and Gene talking a lot, and it would flash back and forth to. That's to, probably the one I'm thinking of. That's yeah, back when they were. You could tell. You could tell. Dragging on Ace to, and Peter. Yeah. Yeah, you could, but you could tell they were kind of realizing that there was a lot of focus on the old, getting the old guys back yes. together. But it and didn't I stop, think a lot of it. It didn't stop them from ragging on the other two, though. Yeah. <laughs> that, no, no, now you're thinking about exposed when it comes. Well, right no, that, that, that was extreme. Extreme close up. Extreme close they, up. They, well, they did that too, but they, yeah, they told no, that. They always do that. Extreme close up. They got there and they were like saying that Ace lost his touch. I mean, they. That's when he came back with Dimebag Daryl on Guitar World saying, hey, no, I yeah. helped make y'all. I mean, that, and I think that's kind of what got him talking. Like, hey, yeah. you know, hey. Yeah. But because they, every, I, to Rolling Stone's detriment, a lot of the grunge bands loved 70s Kiss. And oh, yeah. that was, they hated Kiss. There probably ain't a band out there that at least one guy wasn't a Kiss fan. It's anywhere yeah. within that age range. You know what I mean? And my, and my band, we were all Kiss fans growing up. So it was, you know, I mean, musically, I was, uh, of course, I always loved Kiss's music, but I didn't play that style. And I don't, I never really took, 
the musical aspect of what they did, but I don't really do that with my influence. I try to do my own thing anyway, but, but they were always, uh, yeah, I I hate when people rag on them that, I mean, I got a friend that's, uh, it's weird when you got a friend that's the same age that did was either you were a kiss fan or you weren't a kiss fan. There were really hardly any casual kiss fans back in the seventies in that period. And so, I've got a real, real good friend that I've been friends with him for since like, I don't know, seventh, eighth grade. And he just wasn't a Kiss fan growing up. He's the same age as me. Blasphemy. He doesn't get it. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't get it at all, you know, but, but he saw that Shakespeare, the, the Kiss, because I had, he'd watched the movie because I have a sense of humor about it. You know what I mean? And you got to be able to laugh about that kind of stuff. And we're both fascinated by that kind of like, sort of these indulgent projects like what's the what is it emerson like a palmer the where the keyboard player did that whole uh king arthur's whatever like it's like king arthur on ice musical <laughs> concept anyway they sort of like the mr roboto thing that kilroy was here sticks thing where they were trying to acting yeah. between and i mean i'm fascinated when these i, I love it when bands kind of go off the rails and nobody it's like they try something crazy and it's just i've still i would still love to see a full uh, Kilroy concert just to see what it was. I've seen they showed a couple snippets, you know, on one on some of those behind the music where they're just standing saying these lines to each other, and the crowd's just kind of it's like Texas or something, just standing there looking at them like what you know, I'm heck? kind of fascinated by that kind of stuff. And that's kind of what Kiss Meets the Phantom is. I mean, you listen to Emerson Lincoln Palmer. I remember, I, I remember Paul saying that at one of the shows I was at. Was it, it was in the 80s? And he said the show, he said it on Extreme Close Up. Yeah, oh, he said that too. He started dropping F bombs all over the place, all through the 80s. Oh, that like was, oh, yeah, yeah, the 80s, hot and yeah. shade tour. He was terrible. Yeah. So, but, um, so yeah, it's, it's, Kiss is just, uh, what can you say? There's so much to talk about with him. There's so much to love and so much to not love, but it doesn't matter really, right? Um, you know, Kiss never expected. We never all, never of us could imagine the internet and people knowing everything about you or any of that kind of stuff. I mean, now we're going back arguing. and trying to cancel you after the. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm listening to Christine 16 while I'm doing this movie, and I'm Ooh, thinking, yeah. you you can't just say I, when I saw you coming out of school that day, and you're 16, yeah. and, I mean, <laughs> and I've just got to have you. It's like, dude, that would not fly now. And you know, and I that was like you, a that was like a top 20 hit back in yeah, the 70s. Yeah. Like top 20. Yeah. You imagine Casey Kasem? Hey, this guy oh, yeah. song by oh, yeah. So yeah, it's, things, things have changed, though. But I don't think anybody really thought of stuff that way either back then. You can't, you know, what people nowadays don't understand is that 20 years from now, everything they're doing and saying, people are going to crap all over it and say oh, yeah. how stupid they were. And they can't believe people thought that way. Comes around, and, goes around. Yeah. Making fun of the old man. You're eventually become the old man. Yeah. Right, right. I'm feeling that now. And I know everyone's been saying this, but I tell you, this younger generation, I, what can I say? <laughs> I think they really yeah. are worse, worse, the worst than us. But hey, that's damn kids these days. Right, exactly. Yeah. But who I raised them? I, that's the point. Who raised them? I mean, yeah, you got to blame the parents kind of too, because they turned out that way. <laughs> yeah. But it's weird. I think there's a lot less of a cultural divide between kids and parents. In, in this, it feels like in this yeah. generation, because like I say, my parents – like when my band, we did this reunion thing in 2019 and I had told all the guys, I said, you realize we're all older than our dads were back when we were doing this in the eighties and early nineties. Right. So go back to 1992 and picture our dads doing <laughs> right. this on stage. And it would be ridiculous, you know? <laughs> and now here we are older than our dads playing this thrash metal stuff. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of crazy. And most um, of the bands it, you see now are in their seventies that are still yeah. popular. It's crazy. Right. I mean, you uh, were, I remember back in the eighties, Back when the Stones did the Steel Wheels, it's like, well, you're 45. Can you still do it? I mean, that that's laughable nowadays. Right. 
Right. So what do you so, what, so what do you guys think of the state of Kiss and when it'll end? Do you what do you guys think about like a two point or, or something like that? I'm done. Done. Are you done? I mean, I saw. The, I, I grew up in the '80s, so I'm yeah. more a Gene and Paul guy. Yeah. When neither one of them are gone. I'm done. I I still I've seen them three times this last tour. I'm probably one of the diehards, and if they do another show, I'll go see it. I saw the re- farewell tour. I saw the reunion tour. I'm a Gene and Paul guy, like I said. So yeah. I go. I know they they're not what they used to be, but it's still Kiss to me. So right, right, right. Well, so so were you one of these guys who was kind of a little pissed when the reunion happened at yes. all? I mean, oh, you were. I was okay. devastated. Even though I, you know they were, you know they were dead. Then right? I mean, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I mean, there was I, there was nowhere to go at that point. I knew and that's why when, they waited till I then, knew but. when they were doing the conventions, it was coming. And but you I thought and it'd be a couple years, and they'd go back with the uh, Bruce and Eric probably yeah, I, back into it. I didn't see them letting that go, but I mean, you can't really blame them. I mean, it blew up because I remember I was remember Metal Edge back in the day. Oh, yeah. I was reading an interview with uh, Chris Jericho. He used to write a thing and he was talking about how disappointed he was that they got picked. But they, they oh, were yeah. dead. They were dead because yeah. I saw them. I saw them on my, my 20th birthday, 1992, in a club in Dallas. It was a revenge tour. And yeah. I was so looking forward to that. But they, oh, we, we had something happen. And they would never tell you that nobody was going. I mean, uh, Hot in the Shade brought it back, but Revenge, right, the, right. I mean, those shows weren't very well attended. I could see that. Yeah. So that was a live, started three, live three is Revenge. Uh, live three is the Revenge tour, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. I just I just synced a video for uh, somebody that gave me some footage for Phantom, and it was 92, I think, Sheffield show. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was watching it. You know, look, I can't say there weren't a great band with Bruce and with Eric, but like I said, it's just a thing. If you were there in the seventies, it just wasn't, it just was a different thing, completely different thing. I mean, I think what ideally, of course, forget about money and all that stuff. Let's just say what would have been great. I think it had been great to do the reunion tour and then maybe a real reunion album would have been cool. Maybe try to tour that. You know, I haven't really been that interested even by the farewell. I mean, by the farewell tour, they were just limping along. I mean, yeah, I knew that yeah. too. We all got to see what we were dying to see in 96, 97. That's really all we needed. But uh, if they're whatever they're doing, they're making better money. That's what it comes down to. Well, they're definitely not yeah. having a problem selling stuff out now. They're playing to huge yeah. arenas, and I, I think- did. And I did see the end of the road tour. I didn't plan on going. I mean, I'm not like one of these. Oh, I hate Kiss now, but it doesn't do a lot for me anymore. But uh, <laughs> what? He hates Kiss now, or he went? No, no I hate Kiss. He just hasn't I mean, seen him in like. What eight? You saw him with Def Leppard, right? This last time. Yeah, you saw it's been a while. Well, you know, oh, so you did. Did you? Was that like, I mean, after the reunion though, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, like yeah. oh, okay. So, well, I mean, I didn't plan to see the end of the road tour because I'm, I'm not like I'm an ace Peter guy. I kind of feel like you got to pick teams. I mean, I like the original guys, of course, but they're not, you know, ace, ace, he's not handling himself well these days. He doesn't, you know, Peter's, what is it going on? It's like in his late seventies or something. I mean, he's retired. Yeah, Peter, Peter seems the happiest out of all four of them. Yeah. He, he seems like, like he's, he's really... Yeah, I think where he he's at now. Yeah. yeah, I think he came to terms with a lot of stuff. Um, and that's one of the cancer, things. Cancer will probably do that to you. you know? Yeah, that too. And, you know, everybody complains about that wife. On some, but she seems like she's kind of got his head together, if you ask yeah, me. But I, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't work with him, so I don't know. But he's, yeah, he seems like, uh, you know, I really respect him. I mean, I know everything that's been said about these guys, good and bad, is probably all true. All We're of human. It, but – Anybody, you can say it about anybody, right? Exactly. You take anybody and then you fill them up with booze and drugs, and then you're going to get a, a really bad version of a lot of people, right? But the end of the road tour, you Keep know, I, I, I felt basically since the, I haven't seen them since I saw the farewell tour, and that was almost like out of duty, almost, you know, it didn't blow me away. I was like, ah, I got to go. It's Kiss, whatever. Um, 
But uh, they had, I got lawn seats. What happened was they came, played the amphitheater here, I think maybe one, two years ago. Whenever, I don't know how long this tour has been going. It was before COVID, so I guess it's maybe been three years back or whatever. But, uh, you know, what happened was it was like a Saturday night or something, and I was like, you know, the weather was nice. For St. Louis, it actually was kind of a cool night because, man, I've almost died at some shows out there. I mean, I, I can't. St. Louis is very humid. It's awful. It's it gets close to eighty, and you might as well just be a hundred. I mean, it doesn't matter. So I remember uh, going to a few shows. I saw Muse there, one of the best shows I ever saw. And I remember oh, thinking, awesome. this was the best show I've ever seen. I just wish it was over. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait because <laughs> it was so freaking hot. But but anyway, I, I really haven't. You know, look, best to them if they're making money, if they're enjoying it, whatever. Um, I'm, it's kind of weird that Paul like went so long. You know, I, in my opinion. I think something happened to his voice. I don't think he just, I don't think he just ran it out in old age. Right. I think something happened or he tried to fix things and had a problem because I mean, I've been singing for 40 years and and, and I scream and do it all, all that kind of stuff. And your voice changes with age and I don't do it 200, 300 times. Well, I probably do every day in the car or whatever, but, but um, yeah, I mean, I know what voices sound like they get worn out. I know people's ranges go away, but Paul's clearly got some major issues going on, but that's fine. If he wants to lip sync, we're not lip sync. It, it doesn't matter. You know what you're getting. It's a show. Um, I mean, I, I actually see a good – I I don't hate tribute bands. I love seeing those little tribute bands in the 90s doing Kiss. It's probably the closest I'd ever come to seeing Kiss in a club. You know what I mean? Pre-Destroyer. I think they, some of them had it down. I've never seen – never been a good – never been a really great Paul. I don't know I don't know why no one seems to be able to do Paul. Um, he's just very unique. Mannerisms very new. Yeah, I haven't seen one that comes even really close. Even the I best saw, ones I've seen. You mentioned Strutter before. I saw Strutter, and I remember I was dating this girl at the time, and they had the flyer, and it was actually Kiss. And she goes, "Damn, they really look like them." But I saw I saw Strutter in this place called Sneakers, which was kind of like a, a little club that I was like Sneakers. The, are you? In, is that Cleveland? No, where are you? San Antonio. In? San Antonio. San Antonio. Yeah, I played. Yeah, we we on tour. We played there before. Do you remember the? the it was like the Great White play. Everything was padlocked. All the ex- exit doors were padlocked. Oh, they had pyro and fire there. But the one thing that bugged me about Strutter is that the Paul Stanley didn't have any chest hair. I go, you can't have Paul Stanley without chest. Hair. He should have glued it on like the. He should have glued it on like the stunt double did in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how hard how hard was it to find a stunt guy with a hairy chest in 1978? No, no. I mean, come on, yeah, come on, dude. <laughs> Everybody. Everybody had a hairy chest in 1978. <laughs> Stevie, did you? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, everybody that was old. Five years old. I had a. I have one reward. I tell my wife. I said, you know what's weird? <laughs> I don't remember getting hair in my chest. Do you remember getting hair in your chest? You just all of a sudden one day no, you're I just older. Showed and... up. <laughs> Problem is, I got up. hair on my chest, but everything else fell out. So yeah. that's you know, God's got a strange sense of humor like that. <laughs> so. Yeah. Before we let you go, is there anything else in the, in the works? Or I mean, I know I know this was something. That well, you, you see, a couple, a couple things have just leaked out, right? You've seen the yeah. last couple of days, a couple of things. So I've 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 synced up uh, the Houston clips, which are I think some of those are the outtakes from the Alive Two promo stuff. I recognize a few, like the Gene Blood stuff and the Ace Smoking Guitar stuff. So I've got that synced up. I've cleaned that up with some AI. Um, and then I just finished, you know, the, the sure knows something outtakes with the faces. Have you seen? Yeah. So, yeah. um, I just did a version of that where I cleaned it up and then I actually, for the soundtrack underneath it, I did about a five or six minute extended, my own version of sure knows something using the isolated tracks and stuff, cool. kind of an extended sort of different mix. And then I fill out, I think the things like 17, 18 minutes. So I actually put 
the dynasty version, unplugged version and symphony version of Shirtle something. So you get like this mix I did and these other three versions. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I love doing that kind of stuff and, and, and I love doing the kiss movie stuff. Like I said, I'll probably, um, after I got to sit back and really look at, I mean, I must've watched that thing and I'm not kidding you. I must've watched it 20 times the last two weeks. I mean, and my wife, my wife was a fan. My wife's a few years older than me. She was actually a fan back in the seventies of kiss, but then more of a casual, like what, not diehard kiss fan, but she knows I, I've always been. But she watched it. She was really great. She's like, I'll watch it with you again. And she really liked it. You know, she wasn't that familiar with, you know, the whole inside joke about the movie. But so she really liked it. And she sat there and she'd catch stuff, you know, that I wouldn't catch. And man, every time I'd fix something, something else would get messed up. I'd be like, what happened to this part? This was fine. Now the music all of a sudden is, you know, whatever. (laughs) So, yeah, it was it was kind of a mess because I didn't really plan it all out. But uh, what I'm doing now is a little bit of that. And then I, I synced up some Lakeland's that Lakeland footage from 79. I think it was like the opening night of the dynasty tour. And um, I did that like a couple months back, but I've got some better quality stuff. I'll probably clean it up and maybe I'll take one of those new dynasty uh, audios that have leaked. Maybe, maybe rather than the rehearsal audio, maybe clean that up a little bit, but um, yeah, just whatever comes around. I like to play around with the kiss stuff. I mean, I know kiss inside now, like most kiss fans do. Yeah. You know what I mean, uh, you, that's the thing. I mean, you sit there and look at the album cover, just look at it and look at it and know every detail, every little, you know, well, it's old school fans anyway. So not, yeah, not well, the that, 80s fans. Well, Stevie like, would do that to the, uh, the crazy nights one when Paul has his thong out. That, that he wouldn't always. That. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like uh village people or something, but it's pretty close. <laughs> yeah. I do like, but before we leave, before we go, I do like what you put at the end and in, you know, any diehard Kiss fan can tell it when you put this at the end of the uh, Phantom of the Park for Kiss fans from a Kiss fan. And you can yeah, definitely tell awesome. yeah. that you are a diehard Kiss fan from Appreciate it. what you did to that. I mean, it's, it's so I mean, even the ending credits are badass. I mean, that, that's, yeah. that's great. Oh, yeah. Man. I mean, yeah. yeah Black the di- Diamond. The, 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 oh, yeah. Oh, the, I think man, the, the Dynasty font, you know, the yeah. Kiss font. Yeah. 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 You got to put that in there, you know. Oh, yeah. You, you think, you think, uh Paul and Gene will ever see your version? Oh, I don't know. I mean, he hasn't I got a it. cease and desist letter yet, has he? I mean, <laughs> not, probably not. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I wouldn't do this to make a penny. That obviously, I mean, yeah, I, I, it's nothing about that, and that's why it's kind of sad that I mean, I I try not to use anything in my version that's got anything to do with the whole Sam Loomis and whatever, and and we know who. Um, there's nothing in there that's not. I took I took attack right from Kissology. I know it's it's still I'm make I'm copying the Kiss stuff, but it's none of it is from that batch of right. supposedly owned or leaked or copyrighted stuff. It's Largo. It's all stuff, um, Super Eight stuff I pulled from YouTube. I mean, everybody knows where all that stuff comes oh, from, yeah. basically. So you know, again, I did it because I love Kiss and I know people love Kiss and I I love fans to to enjoy what I did. I I put heart and soul into it for a couple months solid there. Uh, in fact, I had yeah. a whole album recorded. I was getting ready to finish, and I got sidetracked and just did Kiss stuff for like three, four months. <laughs> it was nice to take a break. So, uh, you know, the world's not exactly waiting for it anyway. So, But I thought it would be nice to set a target for Halloween. That's why I shot to try to have it together by then. So I thought it, it would was be good. A, it was a pleasant surprise. I mean, well, I appreciate yeah, it. it. I, really I, don't, do I, don't take I, think, I don't take Stevie's advice too often, but he was right about this one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I appreciate yeah. it. And I think yeah, I think you – I hope a ton of people see it. You know, I've got it up on Vimeo and I've got a, a Dropbox. You can get it from, you can't put it on YouTube, obviously. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I, I don't exactly know what. So I had two like 12, 13 minute teaser parts I put up on there 
a couple weeks ahead of time. And one of them was the whole first like 12, 13 minutes of the film with the whole rock and roll all night sequence. That was up. No problem. No, no copyright, no nothing from anybody. Then I did a second clip about, about as long and that had Beth in it. And you know, which is another song I know sometimes will get strikes or blocks against it. Um, Cause usually when you upload stuff, that's copyright, as you probably know on YouTube, it, it just means you can't monetize it, but they won't block it. Usually if it's just, right. it just means you can't sell it basically. But then when I try to put the whole film up, it immediately gets a Warner Brothers strike. And it says rock and roll all night in the detail. I'm like, I don't understand it because I had both. Anyway, yeah, and I, didn't put up it, I didn't want to put it up in 15 pieces. I don't know if it's longer than a certain length. They just automatically strike it or how that works. But I did a couple tests. I tried to do a half an hour. That wouldn't go. I tried to do, you know, so I don't know. But um, like with most stuff these days, people trade, people send it around. People get the links like this new stuff that just came out. The Sam Loomis channel got yanked. The clips are yanked, but everybody had it. You know, you yeah. grab it right away. And, you know, this is stuff that we'd buy it from Kiss if Kiss owned it. If they Kiss would oh, yeah. sell it, we'd all Kiss buy it. I would have bought it. There. And, you know, the thing that blows me away is they got all of this footage from Kiss Alive, the actual recording of Alive. I mean, and I'm talking like film, not just video stuff. There's all these things. It's like, what in the hell have they been thinking? I mean, they got to own a lot of that stuff. And how is it that they never, now it's probably too late because you can't, I know I'm, I'm an artist that sells albums. You, you, you might as well forget about making money off it. I know with it, me, I put an album out two minutes later, it's on every torrent site. Now I'm trying to like, you know, put something out here and it's like, I can't even find a place to put it anymore. of like the yeah. kiss stuff. But, um, you know, the diehard Kiss fans will grab copies of it and everything. And so far, I mean, and I mean, and I've said this before, I don't disrespect the people that made the original films. I mean, I love it. Everybody was doing what they were trying to do. They didn't care what was going on at the time. They're just, it's another job for them, right? And there's another movie of the week and we're going to do, no, we'll do one next week about something else, whatever, whatever. Um, and I don't mean to trash anything they did because we all did all that dumb stuff and we always look back at what we did. And I mean, for 1978, it's, it's what you saw. I don't care if you watch yep. any movie from yep. 1978, it's going to be pretty close to that, you know, with few rare exceptions, you know. Well, so, hell, they um, did they did something right because it was the number two show after Shogun that year. So they did something. Yeah, right. you People know. Um, but I think everybody said uh, so. Was this, was it? It was on Friday or Saturday night before Halloween the first year. I think it was, it a was Saturday. Saturday. It was a Saturday night. So it was kind of like the night where most people were out doing other stuff. I think was the deal. So they kind of stuck it in that slot, but. Yeah, um, it was the most viewed, but I don't know if that hurt him or helped him <laughs> in the long run. Maybe it would have been That's better true. had not so many people seen it. But uh, but well, yeah, it brought us together late all these years later. By the yeah. way, you know, you know, here's a here's a little. Are you familiar? I don't know if either one of you are Beatles fans, but are you familiar yes. with the Sergeant the Sergeant Pepper movie? You know, from seventy eight. Yeah, believe it or not, I got into the Beatles from that movie. Oh, um, really? I actually saw that movie on cable TV back when I was, I don't know, it was probably in the late 70s, early 80s. And I watched that movie and actually that got me into the Beatles. Um, and I, the Beatles are my all time probably favorite band overall. I mean, you can't top it. I mean, Kiss, is, Kiss was my world. I never had Beatles pictures all over my entire room like Kiss, but <laughs> the Beatles. But in that movie, you know, Aerosmith plays the evil band. And, you know, yep. supposedly Kiss was offered that role, allegedly. Yep. But they thought it might be good to put a, put a bad impression of the band out there as being this evil rock band, and they were really trying to get the kiddies on board about that time. <laughs> so, they should have got they should got the robots out there to do rip, rip, and destroy on it. You know, I kind of I kind of <laughs> wish the robots. Seriously, yeah. I kind of wish the robots would have been on stage for rip and destroy. I kind of wish the bad doubles would have been out there. 
Because I'll tell you what, it's, you know, there was a movie years and years ago. I think it was, I'm going to get you sucker, one of those like parody movies. Yeah, and yeah. remember they had the, the whole thing with the stunt person with the old lady yep. wig. And, and I immediately <laughs> was thinking of the Kiss movie because it's got to be one of the best, worst examples of there's just some full face shots. They just thought, ah, just put makeup on them. Nobody will know uh, the difference. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't even worry about the, bl- the, the black guy with the ace. Yeah. Ace is, you got to right. you you love the memes where it's like Tommy Thayer's birthday is happy birthday, Tommy Thayer, and it's his stunt double. Oh, well, you, know what's, you know what's funny with the whole debate? And believe me, I was on that old school um, thing. That's when it really turned me off when they dressed those guys up as them. I kind of, I was one of those guys. I, you know, I, I understand it. Uh, I'd almost rather just see a tribute band than to see them pretending it's kind of the same. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I've, I've gotten over it. Okay, it's been a long, long time yeah. ago. But when you watch Phantom now and you see some of those lines, like, uh, uh, what about our music? You know, they'll never believe it's us on stage. You know, and they're saying like, uh, "Are you ready for the real kiss?" and all that. I'm thinking. <laughs> You can't help but think of those lines and think about the situation. Think about the situation. It's now. almost exactly. like, yeah, it's like you couldn't make it up if you tried. You know what I mean? <laughs> the way the way it circles around. So, anyway, but yeah, it's been great talking to you guys. Really appreciate oh, yeah, you being on with us. So yeah, appreciate um, you. Give me a link to whatever, and I'll share it on my on my Facebook page and on the couple great. of kids pages that I go on and get you some views on here. Hopefully, maybe uh, we approve. We mostly oh, appreciate yeah. it. And, not just Thank kids, you so maybe. much for what you did too, because I mean, well, I appreciate really. it. You're welcome. You're welcome. So, and, and I got to throw a shout out to the guys over that podcast, Rock City, because with without them having that on, I would never know about it. And I and I did I did reach out to those guys. I said, look, I'm going to ask this guy to come on. I don't want you to think I'm being copycat or anything. I right, right. Ask this guy to come on. He was like, nah. and Joe nah. and Joe was like. Definitely do it. Do it. So, Come on, Tommy yeah, Thayer. Don't be copying Tommy Thayer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how, that's the other thing. How funny, like Ace has the Les Paul endorsement and then Tommy gets the Epiphone. I don't know if you guys are guitar players, but, you know, Epiphone's kind of the, what do I want to say? Rip off. Not, no, it's made by Gibson, but it's 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 not lesser, the actual lesser, Les Paul. Yeah. It's the kind of less expensive knockoff. Yeah. No offense, Tommy. I, maybe seems maybe like Tommy, Tommy doesn't make that ace money. Who knows, man? Right. Yeah, but a man longer than anybody. Even, even his endorsement is kind of like the Tommy version of the ace guitar. You know what I mean? Anyway. but anyway. I don't know. That guy, I don't know that guy gets a lot of hate, but he seems like a real No, cool I don't have any hate. No, I don't have any hate. I don't have any hate. I mean, we all, yeah. we all, I think very few of us wouldn't put that makeup on if we were got the oh, offer. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I was doing it in my bedroom when I was 10, right. 11, 12 years old with a tennis racket. You think I would love that opportunity, but you get paid um, for it. Millions of people watching you. Cause yeah. But, but yeah. No, you, you see, the thing is every, by all accounts, Bruce, Eric, Tommy are all super great guys. And I think that's yeah. the problem. You can't be a great rock star. If you're all that stuff, yeah, true. <laughs> you got to kind of be, uh, not that I think. <laughs> you I'll tell have, you that. Yeah, you have that reckless edge with with Ace and with Peter. But I but I'll be honest with you. Being in bands, and I'm actually I, I don't drink. I've never drank. I'm just not a not a drinker. I've never meddled with drugs or any of that stuff. And I can Gene tell Simmons, you, Simmons Part Two. Yeah. Well, I can tell you though. Um, it, it would be a pain in the ass. It really would. Oh, yeah. I get it. I get it. I totally get it. But it's unfortunately, um, it's hard to find that that edge is yeah. kind of what brings the chemistry sometimes and what really True, uh yeah. it goes from like the the that loot it's like hearing uh, appetite for destruction drumming and then listening to the the matt sorum stuff and he yeah, may be even a, a way better drummer but it it's 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 you know it's like with eric right. singer and peter it's we're not talking about technical ability pound for pound we're talking about the way it all comes together 
And there's definitely a difference, a big difference. And so you put up with people as long as you have to, basically. <laughs> That's the way it works in yeah. bands. Yeah. You're you know, talking you're about the- talking about Tommy. That the, there's another podcast that did a uh, Kiss Meets the Phantom watch along, and we're making little comments that come on. Well, when they're trapped behind the the little beams, and, and yeah. the fake the Kiss comes in, and the guy, the guy with the pockets had, had did an ace voice that, hey, look, it's Tommy Thayer. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and those guys, the listen, that... there's a price to pay, man. But, but you know, exactly. Tommy, I think Tommy was probably as big a Kiss fan as anybody. We uh-huh. all know that. I mean, Tommy, I can see being maybe the only other person on earth that would do what I just did with that movie. I mean, you know, just to take the time and the detail to do it. Cause he's done, I mean, he, he worked for, I mean, he was in tribute bands. He worked for him. He went farther than I ever did. I was a huge Kiss fan, but I'd never tried to actually be them in real life. You know what I mean? But well, hell, he got I mean, he got Ace and Peter in shape for the tour. I mean, yeah. He's the oh yeah, I got that, nothing yeah. bad to say about Tommy yeah. Thayer or I Eric or anybody either. else. I you know, I mean, Eric Carr. A... I loved Eric Carr too. I don't think I don't think his drumming was that great on some of that live stuff. I think he played way too damn fast. But that's ninety percent drummers, you know, unfortunately. Right. But then also you hear Paul told him speed it up or trying to be, you know. So you don't really know what goes on, you know. So, exactly. but uh, but it's interesting though to watch that movie, knowing what the, that those guys were literally just squirming every second of the, of the day. You know, you know, Ace would say they'd have that makeup on like 10, 12 hours straight and they wouldn't even end up doing a scene, you know. I don't know how it took longer than 15 minutes to shoot. They got like... Some of the, the, the dialogue they had, it shouldn't have took long. No, no. I mean, I literally listed out all Peter's lines to somebody on the message board was saying, hey man, you should try to get Peter. And I said, if anybody knows him and wants to ask him, I will I will split every clip up. I'll write them all down and I'll, I'll email them to him. All you do is say him in that would be an iPhone awesome and I would have dropped every line. There is Peter is in one line though. Peter is in uh, uh, Apes is more like it. That's his real voice because the the bumper for the TV sh- the movie back then it's on you can watch the original one it must have been before they did the voiceovers because it shows that clip and and P- where he says uh, yipes or whatever and he says apes is more like apes is more like it that's his real voice that's <laughs> Peter's voice so I pulled it from that and wow. he actually is he's actually in that one he's on that one line that's really him so they all are actually in the film you know it's funny because the axe the act act the ace thing which i just thought was a yeah. way of his laugh right isn't that what it's supposed to be and so i kind of replaced most of those with him actually doing a, his ace laugh you know to all that little stuff you know cuz it's like sometimes it's like literally looking at a cue card that says act on it you know <laughs> just saying act so um but i left almost everything in there's a couple little parts i snipped out one of them was ace's act in the very last yeah. scene I remember because I it made that. no sense. And the other one was Gene where he breathes fire on the carousel. And it just makes no sense where he says, are you feeling okay? I'm not Dean? sure. I'm not sure. And then he just kind of like belches fire. Um, I thought it just was really weird and not a place in cheesy. And so I cut to Abner and then I cut back and Ace says, you fire signs. I asked my wife, I said, and she laughs. She goes, no, oh, I get it. Gene's breathing fire all the time in the movie. It still makes sense. The joke still works. So, yeah. so I was like, okay, good. So other than that though, I didn't really try to, change anything they did other than but i did pitch correct a couple of paul's lines at the end of the movie when he does the we've got to get out of here and the uh uh we uh, got to try um i actually pitch changed certain words to get his inflections different so it sounded a little bit less it, it, compare them side by side you'll see you'll hear the difference yeah but uh anyway i want to keep you guys all night but appreciate you guys having oh, a conversation thank you 
Anytime. We'll have you back on again sometime. Yeah, yeah, maybe next year um, I'll have something as exciting that I've been working on. We'll see. Maybe I can get that laser disc. That'd be awesome. You know, I thought it wouldn't be that hard to find a laser disc. I mean, you can find the players for a couple hundred bucks. Man, those laser discs, the Kiss laser disc. I can't find one. And I thought I found one. It's like they want like 800 bucks or something for it. Wow. Something ridiculous. They know you want it. That's why. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't want it that bad. Yeah, no Not kidding. Not that bad. Not that bad. I'm it, like, it's yeah, probably I'll Gene. You, I'll give you 200 bucks <laughs> if you let me copy it. How's that? I'll give it right yeah. back to you. You can, sell, you can like rent it out to somebody else. So it's anyway, probably, all right, guys. Probably Gene doing it anyway. Yeah, who knows? You know, and, and that's that's the thing I said on the message board. You know, all these little clips leaking out. Now, some of them they may not own, obviously, but a lot of that stuff allegedly may have been taken without permission from Kiss when they did the A&E thing. That's the word anyway. I don't know. But, um, you know, why doesn't Kiss find a way to stream and do something? You know, Kiss Streaming fans would service, pay a few, what I think, Warden. But, you know, like I said, you know what they'd do? They'd stick it in a box for $700 and like 14 people would buy it. You know what they I mean? Don't, they don't rather care. Than, they don't rather care than a few bucks and let everybody go pay a few bucks here and there and, and they make a few bucks. And I think you're right. Them. I think it's too late. Yeah. So let it keep leaking. Yep. Let the plumber cry, yep. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway. You got to do it. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, uh, yeah, send me the link and I'll I'll share this out. And All right. You might get some old school metal fans watching it just to see what I'm yakking about, too. So. <laughs> that would be cool. That would be All right, cool. guys. Thank you All so right. much, Kim. We You're appreciate welcome. you nice being to on the show. You Thank, nice to meet you. All right, guys. guys. All Gordon, right. we'll see you next week on the fly. See ya.